Welcome to the Cincy Postcast, episode 48. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and my goodness, do we have a full episode for you. FC Cincinnati's preseason is underway, and we just survived another wave of Brenner transfer drama. There's a new center back joining this team. Premier League center back? My goodness. We also interview Brian Weigel from Cincinnati Soccer Talk. We're trying to do our part to support local soccer media. We wrap it up with a conversation about AFC Wrexham in the 11 out of the 18 and so much more and that is going to be your episode 48 Joining me to talk about all of that, and I'm sure a couple of more things as well, I've got the Chief. And it's just the Chief. It's just me and the Chief. You get a uh, an intimate podcast tonight. Chief, how are we doing? I had to pour myself a drink early because I can't count on being able to dip out every so often when Grayson answers a question. When It's, <laughs> it's kind of like farting in an elevator. When there's three people in the elevator, there's always plausible deniability as to who actually did it. If there's only one other person in the elevator... You're pretty much going to have to fess up. Uh, that is so true. I mean, three man podcast. Like, there's always somebody else possibly talking. If it's a two man podcast, yeah. I I don't know how obvious it is with other people, but like we've had technical difficulties in the middle of podcasts, and with three people, it's pretty easy to like have somebody drop out for a bit and then come back in pretty seamlessly. So. The guardrails are off on this one, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I, did you warn them in the cold open that um, that there's going to be another person speaking at least so that like they know if you just make it to the interview segment, you'll get a break from hearing just the two of us talking? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we uh, – it'll be in the intro, but um, – yeah, I mean, we, we get to talk to, to Brian Weigel of Sensei Soccer Talk. I Now that we're not talking to him, I can confess that I was paranoid beyond paranoid that I was going to call him the, by the wrong name. <laughs> I was just going to accidentally drop a Brad in there and it was going to be all over. Just call and, him Weigel. I love what you're doing here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> They've had that problem in the World Wrestling Federation for years that nobody can tell Jimmy and Jay Uso apart. So the announcers just referred to them as Uso. I mean, you got to make do with what you got. I I did question, you know, the uh, the move to start a podcast with two people with identical voices, but they made it work. You know, what yeah. do I know? Hell, not only did they make it work. I mean, shit. He said, what do they got? Like 400, 500 episodes worth of content? More than that, but yeah, I, I mean, we stand in their shadow. Uh, we stand in KLR's shadow. KLR isn't even around. I think in some ways we're still in the shadow of three fans, two teams, one cup, or whatever right. that one was. <laughs> like, I've had an existential crisis thinking about the fact that we're pushing 50 episodes and how many hours of content that is, and who the hell has sat and listened to me talk for that long. The idea that that would go for 300 episodes is just, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, it is, it is ridiculous. No, I mean, we got, 
we got a lot to talk about tonight. We've got a lot of oh, FC did anything, Cincinnati. Did anything happen? Did anything interesting happen with any FC Cincinnati players since we've last been here? Uh, let's see. Since we last recorded, what? Brenner was transferred out, but then not actually. We might have gotten an international center back. I think Brandon Vasquez scored a goal for the U.S. men's national team somewhere in there. It's, uh, yeah, nothing nothing too much. I think it's yeah, Brenner. Put, it, put it this way. We didn't need to watch a movie for content this week. <laughs> So let's, but we let's, did. No, let's we lead not. off with let's lead off with Brenner because this yes. is this is interesting to me, and this is going to be a story going forward, probably until at the earliest the uh, summer window. But just basically for the rest of his time here, there is going to be the story of how much longer Brenner is going to be here. So, in mm-hmm. case you're living under a rock, uh, Bogey, Bogert, Tommy Scoops, and Laurel. Almost like the two of them both did great reporting on this, and they were sort of like each one would have something to add to the other's report at any given moment. But story news broke that Nottingham Forest was heavy in after Brenner. There had been a report prior to that, I think from Laurel, that Brenner was unhappy with his positioning in the team and that he had sat out training to try and, you know, force or facilitate a move because he was unhappy that a move wasn't happening. Then Bogert gets the scoop that it's Nottingham Forest, that there's serious movement in that direction. He goes on to Extra Time Radio and basically says it's almost a done deal, that Brenner's on his way out. He wants to make this happen. Uh, The team has received an offer from Nottingham Forest. They have counteroffered Nottingham, and they're just sort of waiting to see how this plays out. And then decision day, deadline day comes, and ahead of that, we get the report that the two teams can't make some sort of an agreement and that they've decided to move on. And then subsequent reporting comes out from Laurel, who, for the love of God, if you're not paying her money for reporting yet, please just go do it. Go do it. Um, It's never been more important to support independent journalism at MLS. But the numbers come out on the reported deal, and it has, I believe... um, well, 11 million, 11.5 million is the number. I think 11 they- and a half million was the purchase obligation. So it was important to note this. It would have been a half season loan. So Nottingham Forest and the Premier League, I, I don't need to tell anybody. They're in the middle of their season right now. This is sort of the, the mid-season transfer window. They'll go until May. This would have been a loan for Brenner through the end of the Premier League season. And assuming they stayed up and he made three appearances, those were the uh, uh, the conditions, they would have had to buy Brenner for $11.5 million, plus there was about $2 million in additional incentives on top of that. Thing is, though, Nottingham Forest, uh, I believe you were looking at the uh, the betting markets there, Chief. They're the fourth favorites to go down to be relegated, which means Brenner would have fifth. come back to fifth. us. Fifth, fifth. okay, fifth, excuse fifth me. Fifth betting favorites. They are currently, I believe, five points or four points off the relegation zone right now. I think they're at 21 points currently in the table, and okay. I think the relegation zone starts at 17 right now. Yeah. But they are... Second worst in the Premier League in goal differential. I think there are minus 19 in goal differential. So they're ahead of teams on points, but they are way down there on goal differential. Presumably why they're looking for a Brazilian striker to come in and hopefully change their fortunes. And if you don't know this already, I mean, I talk a lot about gambling on this podcast, but I am a rank amateur compared to the people that occupy the betting space in the UK. The UK yes. betting market 
is bananas. If you're not familiar with it, sophisticated, yes, it's it is mature beyond years, and you can bet anything in the UK betting market. They'll let you bet the aforementioned World Wrestling Federation. You can bet a fixed sport in the UK, um, and so the betting odds are rarely wrong there. Um, and they're the best. If you want to get information about something that's happening in the world. The single best place to hedge whatever you want to predict is happening is go to the UK betting markets and see what the sharps are are laying money on. And right yep. now, Nottingham Forest is fifth in the uh, the betting odds on all the major bookmaking sites that take action on this behind uh, Wolverhampton, Southampton, Everton and Bournemouth in terms of going down. So when they say that there was a requirement that Nottingham Forest stay up, the bookmakers, I haven't checked to see after these moves they've made, but the bookmakers did not like Nottingham Forest chances going into the weekend. Yeah. And I mean, there's a little bit more to this as well, because getting Brenner to sign for a Premier League team would be awesome. That'd be incredible. That's only half the battle. In order to register him as a player, there are a number of requirements as an international player to get a work visa. And the British, the English, I should say, they have a pretty robust point system that you have to achieve a certain number of points to be able to sign on uh, and get one of these work permits, at least without a, a what looks like a pretty costly appeals process. And they give you points if they are under a certain age, if they've made a certain number of appearances for their national team, if they've played for international competitions and all these things. And we're in the Discord trying to do the math on this. And it didn't look like he had the points to to get the work permit. Um, my own personal theory thought on this was that the uh, Nottingham Forest was going to sign him and their owner also owns Olympiacos, uh, probably the largest team in Greece maybe would have immediately gone on loan uh, to them in an attempt to try to boost his point total to get him back. Uh, so if if that was the case, or if FCC is doing the numbers and realizing this guy may not actually be playing uh, in the Premier League or can't get a work permit, and we could have a guy out on loan just playing for their two-team or their youth team and risking injury and we're not getting anything – that's a problem. That would have been a problem. That would have been right. a waste of money. And from if you look at it from a Nottingham Forest point of view, if they are looking at this is that we get an access to this market for Brenner early, mm-hmm. we can acquire him, we can send him on loan. And if we stay up, hey, we're one step forward for making a signing and we got to jump on all these other teams that might go shopping in the summer window where his price might be elevated. But if we get relegated, we don't stay up. We're not on the hook for this big contract. So it was almost like a, you almost look at this from a uh, perspective of Nottingham Forest and think, man, this is a really shrewd attempt at business right here where it's a low, if you like him to buy him in the summer, but your only hang up is, oh, I don't want to acquire too many contracts in case we go down. Because Nottingham Forest has been on a spending spree uh, over the last couple of days, to put it mildly. So yeah, from their point of view, Points, they don't really matter because this isn't a transaction for this year. It's a transaction for upcoming years. And if that's the case from FC Cincinnati's perspective, then I can understand why they would look at Nottingham and be like, okay, well, why don't you guys call us after you stay up? 
after you figure it out that you stayed up, call us and maybe Brenner will be available to you in the summer window. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, look, if Albright really wants to work this angle here, I don't know how MLS would handle something like this, but in La Liga, Barcelona pays uh, Atletico Madrid 15 million euros a season for the right of first refusal on all of their transfers. (laughs) (laughs) All of their outbound transfers. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is a million bucks for the right of first refusal on Brenner wouldn't be the worst deal for for all the parties involved. I don't know if MLS will let them do it, but... (laughs) Or, you know, if they've gone on this shopping spree... You know, who's to say someone from Nottingham Forest might not find their way back to Cincinnati? I mean, that's something to watch out for, I think, right now. Which, yeah, I don't I'm not familiar enough with their their team, but surely they have a a fourth string center back who who could walk (laughs) onto our team. Right. So (laughs) we could we could make something happen for sure. So what Um, what what say you, Kevin, to because I I'm you know, I'm nothing if not deeply online. Please. And I have a take on this, but I'd like to hear yours. What say you to the school of thought that Brenner obviously wants this move to happen? I think that there's enough reporting out there in the ether that Brenner is not thrilled that his career hasn't progressed to Europe yet. What say you to the idea that, oh, no, now we have a malcontent on our roster because we didn't facilitate the move out that he needs? Um. I don't buy it because for two reasons. One, I'll concede the point and say we get a malcontent who doesn't start playing until later in the year. I'll still take it. <laughs> if, he miss, if he missed the first month and a half of the season but comes back to scoring a goal every game that he was doing uh, towards the last half of the season, was it 18 goals in 20 games? Yeah, if he can do that in um, – May and June and leave in July. That's fine. I'll take it. (laughs) Like that would be a hell of a return still. Uh, But with that, I think he saw how last year went and the sitting out, whether that was injury or paperwork uh, related or not. I think some of that might've been a little overblown to help cover for him. Um, I think I think he's learned his lesson. I think he realizes that he is close. He is very close. That Syria, that the Premier League are sniffing around. They recognize his talent. If he can go up, and if he thinks he's bigger than MLS, it shouldn't be hard to prove it. Yeah. And he's he's out of here. He's he's off to Europe in the summer. He'll get a nice easy deal to any of the big five leagues. Yeah, I think that that I said it online, and I stand by this take. And that's that this process playing out in public is a good thing. Yeah. Um, because I think in the past, I would be shocked to, if this wasn't the case, that there's probably been some conversations with Brenner and his agent about what the deal would be to get him yes. out of Cincinnati. And look, we spent a lot of money on you. We invested 13 million. I think it was 13 million was the transfer fee originally, something like that. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. And we owe a portion of that still back to Sao Paulo. That we Something to... like 20, 25%. Yeah. So we don't want to take a loss on this sale. And the reason we would be taking a loss on this sale before this is because you didn't perform the way you probably needed to to justify the, the fee that we paid. Right. And now there's been a out in public bidding process for better or worse. There is... Um, 
There is valuation clarity as to what Nottingham Forest valued Brenner at. And now he knows, his agent knows, his family knows, his girlfriend, if he has a girlfriend, she knows. Everyone involved in this process knows what he is starting, the base level line is this year for what he's starting out at. So go out there and perform, and you know what kind of deal you need to attract to get yourself to another league. And from his point of view, he had Nottingham Forest sniffing around this time, lower level, bottom of the Premier League. So it stands to reason that if he goes out and he balls, he scores goals, he does what he did last year, that the baseline he can expect is another team like Nottingham Forest to be sniffing around looking for him at the summer window. Yeah, and the market's established for him. Right now, if we combine you know, Nottingham Forest's purchase agreement and Udinese's offer from earlier this year, he's worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 9 to 12 million pounds now, or euros dollars. or dollars or whatever it was, yeah. Um, so yeah, so if he can go out there and score a couple of hat tricks, you know, that, that's what he was doing last year. Uh go out there and 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 crush this league as it <laughs> were. Uh he uh yeah, there's no reason to think FCC couldn't be looking at a 15 million dollar transfer fee uh this summer and that's about what it would take to break even on him and I think that would be fine. Honestly, I don't even think the team is so concerned about breaking even or making a profit. I think a $10 million transfer gets this done. I think they want to make sure that everything is in agreement ahead of time. It does sound like, you know, the, the team in South America might get a say, obviously MLS takes their weird percentage of cut on this stuff. I don't know if that's still the case with designated players. This is where we could use Grayson, um, but yeah. but there's a couple of other parties involved. It's not as, it's not as straightforward as say a French team selling Brenner to the premier league. There, there are a couple, a couple additional parties involved, but yeah, I think he balls out. I think this is an easy deal this summer and yeah. hopefully there's a bidding war. Yeah, and the other thing too is that I, this is where I don't envy Chris Albright, where I don't I don't think that G MLS GMs get paid enough. In that, yeah. think about everything Albright is balancing right now. <laughs> so he's balancing uh, Brenner as the player and his needs and wants and what he wants to do with his career and how that affects the locker room dynamic and how that affects the training that's going on, what he's available for, what he's willing to do, what he's not willing to do. So he's got to balance that. Yep. He's also got to balance. Future Brenners and the idea of yes. what is the image that FC Cincinnati is portraying as a club to the person who will have to be the next young designated player that they will have to bring in to replace Brenner. Do you run the risk by keeping him of looking like a club that isn't doing everything in its power to facilitate players of talent moving on to bigger and better opportunities? And does that hamstring you? in terms of signing them because the whispers start that your career ends when you go to FC Cincinnati. Yep. And then counterbalancing all of that is his bosses, yes. Carl Linder III, Jeff Birding, and the belief that uh, we aren't a bit in the business of buying and selling players. We're in the business of selling tickets and winning championships. And it's no secret, I've said it before, and it's, it's, it's out there that this front office from Albright all the way up, believes that they have the ability to win a title this year. And it's all well and good to do right by Brenner, do right by his agent, do right by your reputation as an organization. But if they had sold Brenner in this window, you're talking about blowing a hole wide open 
in what's supposed to be the strength of this club. The strength yeah. of this club is is the offense. They've they've invested heavily in the top, and it would have been not impossible to go out and find another young designated player to fill that role. But it would have been a lot more difficult with the transfer window closed elsewhere in the world to go out there and find a player who can come in, integrate with the club, and produce the kind of goals and the kind of scoring threat that Brenner is. So, you know what? I hope Albright has a great therapist or an incredibly well stocked <laughs> bar because, God damn it, if this isn't high stakes poker and high stakes drama that has implications on every aspect of his well-being, his life, and the fate of this team. Yeah, I, you're exactly right. Uh, I think this is where, I, I don't want to call it criticism. I think this is where some doubt of Albright is actually warranted, which is in Philadelphia, the business model was cultivate good local talent and sell them on for a profit and look for you know money ball signings to come in either in the league or or outside of the league and they never dealt with 10 million dollar plus transfer fees in either direction on this and i think there is a a a question as to whether or not albright knows how to manage these and I'm not saying he's doing a poor job here. As far as we can tell, he managed last year perfectly with a very similar situation. And we got to see a hell of a Brenner eventually, but we got to see <laughs> a hell of a Brenner. And this team made a run and we we gave Philly all, all they could handle in the, uh, in the playoffs there as they go on to damn near win an MLS Cup themselves. So I think it's fair to say, you know, trust Chris Albright. Obviously, last year went very well. Many of the signings were very, very good. Um, but I, I think it, it, TBD on whether or not he is able to navigate a situation like this. I think he can. To be clear, I think he can. But we haven't seen it yet, necessarily. Right. I think the other confounding aspect of this for Albright, and it's not his fault, is that he walked into a city with a club that hadn't won anything since joining MLS. Yeah. And if this team had been just okay prior to him arriving here. I don't think the pressure to hold on to Brenner, hold on to Vasquez, hold on to something Lucho. to win Lucho. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't buy Lucho wanting out. I just, I just don't think there's a lot of, I think that's a lot of smoke with absolutely no fire. But having Agreed. said that, having said that, <laughs> that if this club had just been passable as an expansion team, yeah. there wouldn't be that pressure to do something positive right now. Whereas now, like the team finally is recapturing a little bit of the magic and they can't they 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 can't it's going to be really hard or would have been really hard to look this fan base in the eye and have the conversation about now sometimes players move on and it doesn't mean that they don't love you and that we don't love them <laughs> it just means that you know they've reached a different stage in their life and don't worry we still love you we the yeah. club still care about like they weren't ready to have that conversation yet with a city that is still kind of like you fumbled the start of this you made me sit through unwatchable soccer and now that we're on the verge of getting good you're selling off one of our best players that's a tough that's a tough sales job it's a good point because even in the usl days the well one they kept 
like the good players together the entire time. But the selling point was always we would get to MLS and of course your best players would go with you. Now, should they have taken all of those best players? Eh, probably no, not. No, but no. <laughs> but they, they there was like there was still a way you could continue to carry those guys on. But that's just how it works in soccer. And even with the biggest clubs in the world, the the big super club teams in Europe, they still poach players from each other. Like Lewandowski moves on from Bayern. Bayern has an argument as much as anybody to say they're the best club in the world, and they still lost a star player. Uh, the big six are swapping guys left and right, and those guys have aspirations to actually play for Real Madrid or Bayern or PSG or Juventus or Milan. So no matter where you are in this hierarchy, there's always a bigger fish as it were. And right. so just like this city, you're absolutely right. Isn't comfortable with losing its stars in general. I mean, we're hanging on to what is sad to say the, 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 the remnants of Joey Votto attached to an awful Reds team. Um, People are still asking for Andrew Whitworth to come back to the Bengals. Right. He's been retired for a season. But wasn't that part of the sales pitch with <laughs> FC Cincinnati is that we're not the Reds? We're yes. not That we're not the team that sells everything off that isn't nailed down. We're here yes. to win. We're here yes. to compete. And yeah, you're right. But I mean, okay, so turn it back around on you. That's just the way soccer works. You follow this sport long yeah. enough, you understand that, that no matter how big you think your team is, like to put it. To quote you, quoting Qui-Gon Jinn, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> yes. Um, do you think the city's ready for that conversation? No. Uh, given how much people still cling to Mitch and Jimmy, as it were, I don't think they're ready for the, you get three good years with a guy and right. then they move on. I've said this before, but like the ideal way to, the ideal player for MLS for a GM to find is the guy that is too good for MLS, but that nobody in a higher league really wants. Yes. Like I call it the, it's the, uh, like in baseball, they have the Mendoza line, which is a yep. guy that hits 200. I call this the Jordan Morris line. Like when you're Jordan Morris, <laughs> exactly you, you, you stay in MLS your entire <laughs> career and you're good enough that you're better than the rest of the league. But yeah. you go above the Jordan Morris line and there's other teams knocking at the door for your guy. You go below the Jordan Morris line and oh, you're spending a lot of money for a guy that really isn't worth what you're paying him. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Paul Ariola might be on that line. Chris Wondolowski. Chris Wondolowski would be on that line. And yeah, they could they could probably do a shift for a uh, championship side over in England. But no, they're they're getting well paid here in MLS. They're they probably have some affection for the league on some level. So yeah, and they just, no, and they, just that. they just don't want to move to Reading. You know, it's like right. Not, right. not Reading, not like the wedding district in Reading. I'm talking the actual OG <laughs> Reading over in the motherland. Yeah. No, or yeah, or you I don't want to say flame out because we have Matt Miazga on our team. Or yeah, you go experiment overseas and you you come back, you come back to MLS. So no, I think that's exactly right. We're in agreement that I think that the the dream ends with Brenner in the summer. And if it doesn't end in the summer, it means something has gone horribly wrong, which is not anything you want to look for as an FC Cincinnati fan. Yeah, there's no 
version of this where we offer him a new contract to double his salary to keep him around forever. That's just not what's going to happen here. His value, given his transfer fee, is in transferring him out. So we have to hope that that happens. Um, so here's hoping. Score yeah. a shitload of goals. The only way out is up. So yes, climb. <laughs> As they say in Andor. You're here forever unless you score a bunch of goals. Thank you. Right. <laughs> um, no, speaking of Premier League teams and, and sending players out on loan, huh? Yersin, uh-huh. uh, I'm going to try this. So I, I could not find a pronunciation guide. FC Cincinnati did not sign this player, so I did not get the very fun phonetic spelling. I did look up an Argentinian YouTuber who I'm pretty sure said his name, and he went with Yersin Mokiera. Uh, so I'm going to choose it. to Mo say Kiera. that as well. There is an S in the middle of that, but whatever. We're we're bulldozing past it. Right. Um, Yearson, I think we can we can go right. with that. Uh, as, center uh, back. As Little Wayne said, real G's roll in silence like lasagna. So real S's <laughs> also roll in silence. Uh, despite my misinterpreting that line, uh, the first I don't know two dozen times I heard that, still one of my favorite lines of all yeah, time. Phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, he's a center back from Colombia. He is playing uh, kind of with uh, Wolves over in the Premier League. And they are sending him out on loan. He is a youth prospect, has not made a national team, a senior national team appearance for Columbia, but has played at the youth national team. He is a highly, highly, highly regarded Colombian prospect. $7 million transfer fee to uh, his Colombian team to get him uh, to Wolves and... He has not had a chance to play. He actually had two pretty rough injuries back-to-back early in his uh, stint in England, and Wolves are looking to send him out on loan allegedly without a purchase agreement, which I know this is contrary to what I've always heard, is that MLS requires a purchase agreement of some kind with any loans into the league. Allegedly, there is no purchase agreement attached to this, which on some level is a good thing because it indicates that they are not ready to get rid of him, that they genuinely think MLS is a good level for him to find his footing, show that he can play and to develop into a player that they can then bring back to the premier league or championship if things don't end up well for them, Uh, but bring him back to the premier league and, and rejoin the team. This is exactly the kind of center back we were looking for. The injury history isn't great, but this uh, gets you excited, Chief? Absolutely. This is awesome. No, I I love everything about this because I'm going to assume, you know, I did some research. He was linked with a lot of very good non-English clubs Mm. uh, to be going out on loan. I saw Galatasaray. That was potentially a destination for him to go out on loan. And I'm assuming the reason they're sending him here is to play. I'm assuming that he's coming here with this kind of pedigree, that the only reason he's being loaned here is because there's been talk between the clubs, there's been talk between Albright or whoever's handling this, and they're telling uh, Wolves, you send him here to Cincinnati, we're going to get him the minutes that he needs in order to develop, in order to play. And I'm, I'm flat out excited about that. He was a $7 million transfer into Wolves. Um, a non they've been up in the premier league for a, for a minute now i think for a couple yeah. years at least um yeah. and fills a position of need he is a person who uh can 
he seems incredibly athletic, which I love. Yes. Um, especially pairing with someone like Miazga, because unfortunately with our center backs that we've got right now, um, and it was a, a weakness of this team last year that Miazga, Hagland, and Cameron, the departed Jeff Cameron, not the most athletic group of people in the world, technically no. proficient, but not, you know, fleet of foot by any stretch of the imagination. Um, not going to out jump anyone, not going to um, win a foot race anywhere. And just not that quick twitch like you're looking for with a lot of these guys to defend tight space plays in the box. Yeah. Yeah. No, sign me up for every bit of this as a person where you pair him with Matt Miazga. And that is just a I'm just I'm excited thinking about this. Yeah, he is. I mean. Hopefully, right? I don't want I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he is hopefully the player that we thought Viasia was. Uh mm-hmm. Viasia is is well on his way to flaming out of MLS completely. And this guy comes with a better pedigree with having, I'll say, a seal of approval from a Premier League team. And importantly, is, not only yeah. a seal of approval, but he hasn't washed out there. This isn't yes. a Jurgen Lakadia situation where they got him in. They played him and it just, you know, no, not our thing. It's that he's had some injuries and Wolves are right now fighting for um, to stay up. I think that when I looked earlier, um, we were talking about the aforementioned uh, situation for relegation situation. I think that Wolves are, if Nottingham Forest is the um, fifth betting favorite to go down, I think Wolverhampton is like the third or the fourth betting favorite to go down right right now. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So they're not they're not in a position to play the kids, as it were. So yeah. this is almost a a unicorn situation that you're getting a, a young player who can't get minutes at his main team because they need to scrape for everything they're going to get. He was yeah. highly regarded. It's a transfer you wouldn't be able to afford to make. If you made this transfer, well, if you tried to sign him, he'd qualify for a DP on transfer fee alone. So yeah. Yeah. At at best, he'd be a U23 initiative player, which I believe we are all out of those slots. So, no, it, there is no version of this where we'd be able to bring him in um, unless we sold Brenner. <laughs> so, <laughs> not exactly the replacement you'd want for Brenner. Um, yeah, he's 21 years old. And again, he has made uh, he's been with Wolves for two years. He's mainly been on the bench. He's not gotten into the league, but he plays for their two team in the Premier League two and yeah like you said they're in a relegation battle he's young he's inexperienced but he has you know everything that they were looking for for a future bright star basically to to be on their team and yeah that's exactly why they're trying to get him minutes and why they can't add him to the team now i mean yeah you wouldn't (laughs) <laughs> the the joys of promotion and relegation not in a position to experiment Spoiler with uh, youth players yes <laughs> that's more of a part three conversation we'll get to but yeah still very very exciting um with this news i wouldn't be surprised if we had another center back signing but more of a high caliber usl talent or a, a mls journeyman coming in uh again just if they're committed to playing in a back three there you would now have uh miazga hagland um murphy and now uh yerson and 
Akimpono, I believe was his name, the draft pick, the Generation right. Adidas draft pick. So things things start to get pretty light pretty quick if we're doing a back three. So, so um, where does he rank on great jerseys or great kits to own from his former team? Because a Wolverhampton Ooh. kit for a current FC Cincinnati player is pretty pretty badass. That would be, I'd be impressed if anybody already had one. I feel like if you get one now, that's good. That's I very mean, good. 20, 20 bucks in an account on DHgate, and you can get whatever the hell you want printed on a Wolves jersey, I'm sure. That's a good point. We'll go find a 1970s throwback and put his name on it. Hell yeah. um, <laughs> no, I think that is that is a fantastic. Ooh, that's got me thinking. There's got to be some good, like a, a Ledesma Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough kit would be pretty clutch. Current, um, player, current players only. What, what are we thinking here? I mean, an Acosta PSG I was kit about would to say the exact same thing. Like, but I'm, I'm worried he would see that and get really mad and pick a red card up if he saw that. Like that would... Debt would just trigger something in his head. Is like he would just start like twitching involuntarily. Uh, I mean, of of Brandon Vasquez Usman's national team jersey, but I want a I want a twenty twenty two World Cup one, not not whatever they're wearing. No, I want <laughs> these days. No, I want yeah. the denim. I want the the Ooh, old school nineteen nice. nineties Brandon Vasquez World Cup jersey. Miazga Chelsea uh, feels like an obvious yeah. choice in this space for me personally, but that's good. I mean, a Nick Haglund Xavier jersey. <laughs> That's awesome. This would be, if we still wrote articles for the Post, this would be a great article. Make your all-time starting 11 of FC Cincinnati kits of previous teams they wore prior to playing for FC Cincinnati. I love this. With Vasquez, you could do a Tijuana kit. He played it in their youth system. I think that would be a good-looking kit. Oh, we could... I think we could do this. Or would it be like a Brandon Vasquez Atlanta United kit just to troll them over the fact they sold him to us for like 150 grand? No, 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 no. A Brandon Vasquez Nashville kit because (laughs) Nashville picked him in the expansion draft, then flipped him to us for a couple bucks is ultimately what it was. A buck here, Uh, a buck there. I think my favorite would probably be a GB jersey from the Kazakhstan team we got him on a free from just because a I don't think that you can find a Kazakhstan Premier League jersey anywhere (laughs) even in Kazakhstan I don't think yeah he did make two caps two appearances for the Senegalese national team so that's that would be that would be electric Joe Sue from Corolla Blasters oh a Blasters Josu kit would be incredible. I, I guarantee you that there's at least one person in the fan base that owns a Josu Corolla Blasters jersey that got it as a goof when he was please, playing Please, please send us a photo. Please. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, a Dallas J Guam national team kit. That's what I want. Um, Good deal. Uh, speaking of Colombians on the... FC Cincinnati in the origin blue. Uh, Santiago Arias, still not signed with us, but playing in preseason games. Chief, what's up with this? <laughs> I'm sticking by my original take that I had on the show the last time we talked about this. I think he is just using us as a Planet Fitness membership for professional soccer players, that this is just him getting some work, putting some film out there, and getting some references for other jobs that, hey, you want to know how healthy I am? Call up Chris Albright and Pat Noon, and they'll tell you exactly how good I'm looking right now. Does Yerson also being Colombian matter? They would have never played together. 
I don't know. I don't like think. They could, they, they're down in Florida. They could trade like where the best place to get a Cuban in Tampa is. Right. <laughs> the answer to that question, by the way, if you do find yourself in the Tampa St. Pete area, it is called Bodega. It's in St. Pete. It's right across from uh, Green Man Brewing. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Is it also owned by the Church of Scientology? No, Clearwater is owned by the Church of Scientology. Oh, okay. St. Petersburg, not owned by the Church of Scientology. Big We're mistake. Good. Big mistake. All the Thetans go to St. Pete. Um, no Thetans <laughs> in Clearwater. And then finally, to wrap us up, Brandon Vasquez. <laughs> oh, shit. This is still the SC Cincinnati segment. Oh, I know. Right. I'm still plowing through here. Not much to talk about here. Uh, what do you mean? He scored a goal. That's incredible. I mean, I did awesome. I didn't mention it briefly in an intro of one of our podcasts. Which it's badass. That was incredible. That is that goal is literally what the U.S. men's national team has been missing for two, three years now. I don't get which it. Which is a big body up top to hoof the ball to. You know the kind of shit you do when you desperately need a goal. Something right. we could have used at the World Cup. It's goals without thought. You don't need to have some brilliant plan or seventeen great touches to score this goal. You need a guy with a little bit of space who puts the ball in the box and a striker who understands spacing and understands how to lull your man into a false sense of security. And then you have one shot, you redirect the ball far post. It's a goal. That's in a world cup style tournament where one goal makes a difference between winning and losing. I still, I will never understand how they left that on the bench or not even on the bench, how they left that back in the United States on the world cup. I don't get it. It's insane. Or that they didn't want to experiment with it in the summer when they had a friendly in Cincinnati and they were training at Mercy. And then I, again, you in know, August or September, <laughs> it's not it's not even like I hate Greg Berhalter. I'm just I'm so glad that it seems like the entire U.S. Soccer Federation is just crumbling from the outside at this point, um, yes. which we'll get into in segment three. Um, but. uh but it's not even just him. It's that that skill set that Brandon Vasquez has, for whatever reason, I don't understand it. Once you get to the international stage, everyone looks down on that. It's that they all want to be the smartest guy in the room, and my tactics are going to score us goals. And you know what? Sometimes a blunt instrument is the best thing to use. And uh, Chelsea, my team, we kept turning away from that when clearly Olivier Giroud was the best option to score goals. You know it's what? The perfect comparison. It's he, he he may be old, he may be slow, he may not be flashy. You know what Olivier Giroud does every time you put him on the field? He gets into position and scores goals. It's a results-oriented business. A beautiful set of 17 passes that don't result in the goal counts for zero on the score sheet. An ugly one touch or a pushes someone out of the way and physically muscles his way to a ball and scores a goal on a header. That counts for the same one as the most beautiful buildup that you can possibly imagine. And I think this is a situation where, again, the United States, like many people before them, have outthought themselves. And it was so gratifying to see Vasquez score that almost like I wanted him to do double middle fingers to everyone yeah. involved. I yeah. wanted him to, you know, do the stone cold salute to the bench, to the crowd. Like you could have had this in Qatar, but you didn't. Because you were enamored with looking pretty as opposed to winning games. Yeah. And Mexico, too, for that matter. Yeah. It was just no. anybody could have used him. 
They're um, almost they're almost dumber. Yeah. They're somehow dumber than the United States here because they could have called him up too, and they still chose not to. I don't know what the like the the well traveled you know pedigreed Mexican team right now that's floundering on a national level. Yep, their league and uh, national federation just had a they released like a. 20 page PowerPoint presentation about how they need to improve and improve quickly, or they're going to fall behind uh, the the rest of the world. So there you go. They could have used a little Brandon Vasquez as well. Uh, well, was that enough FCC news? I think that was pretty good. We went long on Tampa Bay, but that was a lot of FCC. Yeah, cut it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. No, but we've got We've got, I mean, we talked about it last week. We talked about local media. We've talked about it in this episode about how important it is to support local media. We have one of the Weigels, Brian Weigel, is joining uh, the post. Uh, he talks about Sensei Soccer Talk, how they started, and what he's looking forward to in this upcoming season. We talk about how things have changed for them over time. It's a really good, fun conversation with one of the OGs of local Cincinnati soccer coverage. So really fun conversation. If you, somehow you've come across the post and have missed Cincinnati soccer yes. talk, DM me because I really want to know what your Google search history was that resulted in this. <laughs> yeah. Please describe your path to us one and two, correct your mistake and be subscribed to Cincinnati Soccer Talk. Tons and tons of content, written and audio and video. They do a ton of good stuff. So enjoy that conversation. We will be on the other side of it, talking a little Wrexham. And we gotta have our takes on this. And uh, yeah, Apple TV in the 11 out of the 18. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that'll be after the interview. Enjoy the interview. Oh man, this is this is an awesome one. This is a special one because I can say I have been a guest on Cincinnati Soccer Talk many times, but I finally have the opportunity to turn the tables around, welcoming Brian Weigel from Cincinnati Soccer Talk uh, to the postcast. Brian, how you doing tonight, man? Oh man, I'm I'm living the dream being on this show. I love listening to you guys every week. You know, as I said this, uh, Jonah and I had like a DM every week. I said I didn't miss a KLR. I I, I barely, if ever, miss a, a postcast. Uh, I know we were talking it beforehand. I'm a traveling sales guy, so I I love listening to your shows, <laughs> as short or as long as you make them. So I'll I'll be there. And if if I don't listen to it, I think you guys seen this. It's my Saturday morning laundry folding episode <laughs> podcast. So, God love it. We are we are here to help you. Uh, maybe this episode will drop in. You know, at the beginning, some laundry tips. You know, what do those symbols <laughs> on the tags mean? You know, we're here to help you. All right, that's what this podcast exists for. We'll, we'll try to make the parts that you're not on extra long, so that you're not being robbed of any content where you feel compelled to have to listen to yourself again. We'll see what we can do. Like being. Being verbose has never been a problem for us, I don't think. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, I'm, I'm very excited to have you on because uh, last week we were sort of bemoaning the state of, I guess, the media around MLS, uh, especially in the context of SB Nation, uh, lopping off a, a number of MLS-dedicated sites, I guess, blogs. I'm not entirely sure how we classify them. I'll call them websites. Um, very disappointing. But no, Cincinnati Soccer Talk has been there from the beginning, before the beginning, and still going strong into the 2023 season. Uh, 
Brian, do I have this correct? Are you one of the co-founders? I believe the Weigels <laughs> co-founded this, but tell me, tell me the origin story of Cincinnati sure. Soccer Talk. Sure, there were four of us: Yosef uh, Sagai, uh, of course, Brad, my twin brother, myself, and uh, Nicholas J. Superling. Uh, <laughs> so, Brad, so I actually did a um, MLS podcast uh, 10, 12 years ago with uh, wow. my, my former roommate. Yep. And uh, got into the league, and that's when I actually liked a uh, a team about ninety minutes north north of the Ooh. town. Nobody's and perfect. I have Nobody's some perfect. I have some blackmail <laughs> that my brother-in-law <laughs> repeatedly shares twice a year. <laughs> so yeah, so FC Cincinnati started, and uh, Brad, my brother's like, "Hey man, let, let's do let's do a podcast. Let, you know, nobody's covering the team. Let's do something." I said, "Okay." So we recorded uh, the Two Gingers podcast, or some stupid name <laughs> about redheads. <laughs> Men in gingers. Oh, I love. I got to copyright that. That's a make T-shirts. Um, so then I think like the next day or whatever, I don't know if it was through DJ or who, but uh, Nick and Yosef were going to start a, a podcast. And, you know, Nick had his podcast empire with the Bengals. So uh, I think that next day we ended up recording the first ever uh, episode of uh, of CST and uh, three hundred and. 20 episodes of the main show plus uh, probably at least 150 March to match days and I don't know 50 wow. or 100 uh, coach yeah it's been a it's been a ride and um, I think we're probably in 20 to 25 live shows at different bars and restaurants around the area so it's it's been a journey and I think we've lost our way at times uh, doing things we probably shouldn't in, in terms of uh, wading into the transfer rumors and things like that. But uh, <laughs> we've been there. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, Still we started on Clayton. Yeah. Oh, my God. Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> Any day now, I think he's your brother. Negotiations have got to be getting close now. It's yeah, been a oh while God. since I've checked in our on our guy Clayton. He was uh, he was doing pretty good in I think the Brazilian second division last I looked. So <laughs> call him up. <laughs> that's good. You could do a lot worse. No, that's that's fantastic. So you guys recorded the podcast before that first season kicked off. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, we were trying to guess. I think it was like right when camp first started, and they were still adding players, and mm-hmm. we were trying to guess like the starting lineups and. Uh, like I want to say Antoine Hoppino was a big name and Wiedemann yep. and, and all these different guys. Uh, and then of course when Sean Nicoli came, that was, that was outstanding news, but yeah, I was just trying to, to get in touch and to, to grow the grow FC Cincinnati. Um, I remember like one of the first moments like that I realized like people actually listened, I think it was the Xavier friendly and we all went down to that, uh, what's that, that brewery right there? Listerman. Listerman. Yeah. Yeah, we went, went down to Listerman. It was like the four of us, Yosef. Well, Nick didn't come, but it's like me, Yosef, Brad, and I think Michael Walker was like the first five guys. And he was like, I'm going to write for you. And that's how the whole writing arm of CST started. But <laughs> that's when I was like, oh, God, a lot of people listen to us. But then there's like 500, 1,000 people there at that first game. And we were rambunctious, but I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. And then that yeah. first game and then thousands of, you know, tens of thousands and Jeez, just been a dream. It, oh, it's no. it's it's funny to think about though that you guys got started before the team even played a competitive minute of soccer, and what incredible foresight to everyone goes to this game, and if you don't go to the first game, it's the front page news on the Inquirer. It's all anyone wants to talk about, and when you throw in a Google search FC Cincinnati, 
there's not a lot else covering the third division of American soccer at the time. Yet here's Cincinnati Soccer Talk, a ready-made source of content for all of these newly minted soccer fans in Cincinnati. You guys had to be blown away by, oh, wow, this is this is going to be a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was kind of special. It was definitely special. But like the I, I didn't sit in the box the first game. I think I sat in the, the press box the second or third game. And it was literally like uh, Charlie Hatch, Pat Brennan myself and then i think uh, uh chad oh shoot from uh, dayton what's his name now he's like one of our first ever guests but yeah i mean it was like four four people covering those games and it was it was wild i remember like going to do a uh a presser after a match with um with harks and it was like pat brandon just asking every question everybody else would be quiet i'm like <laughs> i think i'll answer something or i'll ask a question yeah, that what, was, what was what was that like? You show up to your first press conference and it's John Harks, yeah, take, taking your questions oh, man. after so I, a competitive soccer match in Cincinnati. <laughs> I, you know, I, I was very fortunate enough where um, while we didn't get John on the show till I think after the first season, John was always very kind and very open to anything we ever wanted to do to cover the team. Mm. And I think he laid the groundwork. Of course, Jeff Birding. I mean, he was just trying to get us every opportunity. Uh, but there's there's not enough credit given to what John did to launch the club. And regardless of his, of his uh, failings, uh, he really was, I think that uh, credibility to uh, the club. We've said it on this podcast before that up until last year, uh, John Harks, team is still the most entertaining team that this club had ever had in history. They played the most watch until last year, played the most watchable brand of soccer this club had ever had. And I've said it before that, I remember the first season of FC Cincinnati, week two, week three of the season, and I'm just shopping at Kroger, you know, just up in Oakley getting groceries. And John Harks is doing live reads. Hi, this is John Harks from FC Cincinnati over the intercom at Kroger. And I'm like, this is (laughs) this is insane. (laughs) Oh, man, it was it was so exciting. And I remember, I mean, my one of my favorite things about being an FC Cincinnati fan was getting excited for that first season. Like obviously the, the hype of John Harks being the first manager and like bringing that credibility. But I remember like immediately trying to find something to consume about the team and finding Cincinnati soccer talk, the podcast. And I downloaded it and I was like, this sounds pretty good. Like the 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 sound, like the intro and the mics on everybody's like good quality, which is funny because I imagine if you go back, you probably find a hundred things that you yourself would be critical of. But I remember first listening to it like, hot damn, like this team might be something. We've got like real like fan media like building up around this thing. I shared it with everybody I knew. I was like, this is incredible. Uh, and I don't think you have the groundswell of fan support around this team without Cincinnati Soccer Talk. It's a key piece, and I think it's something that is missing in a lot of markets that are starting up, either in MLS or USL or wherever. And I just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you get this all the time, but I just want to say that I think Cincinnati Soccer Talk played a a pivotal role in this team being a success and ultimately getting into MLS. And as somebody who loves this team, I wanted to say Thank you. Thank you for, for getting us uh, this far and helping us uh, get to this point. Um, so, and and now, yeah. that we, now that we've gassed you up and we've separated you from the rest of your founders, can can 
can we all agree that watch your tackles was a terrible tagline? <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. He, he loves, loves it. it. I know, but it's objectively terrible. And I feel like it was bad and it's gone all the way back around to being something endearing because it's like, ah, well, it's just been going on long enough that it's just a thing. Yes. He, he, he wanted to do something like we don't have hat tricks in Cincinnati. We have three ways or something like that at some point, too. Better. So it's better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, Nick, I mean, he I, I wish he was still around and, and his kids are grown and, and they're doing travel like they're legit like. Like his daughter's like a legit soccer prospect and everything. And uh, so they're doing the whole circuit and everything. So he, oh, he's yeah. unfortunately not with us anymore, but uh, he's on our Slack. I keep trying to kick him out, but uh, <laughs> he, he, he knows too many passwords. Those, those hangers-ons that yeah. uh, are just <laughs> sticking around there. No, I love that. I I mean, obviously, over time, the team has changed. Uh, Harks goes out. We've got Alan Conch, and then ultimately the uh, the push to join and the successful bid to MLS. Um, not not to get all formal interview on you, but how would you say CST has changed in terms of how it's interacted with the club over the years from being that that oh, man. startup to now? That's a great question because. Um the first staff there, I can, I think they kind of just anybody who cover them, they were appreciative. Yeah. If you showed up at a press conference, you show up at a Zoom call, they were immense. And I think that a lot of that started to change in year two of Alan Koch. Uh, he was very open and very again like Koch and I have a love hate relationship. I got drunk one day and, and didn't realize that uh, people actually you know cared what I had to say, and I drunk <laughs> tweeted some things. Been there. Oh, I yep. was wrecked. I was absolutely wrecked that day. Got to you meet also, Emery Walshman. You weren't wrong. You weren't no, wrong. wasn't wrong. Uh, well, maybe about Evan Newton. I said Evan Newton should never start another game. He did all right. But, yeah, um, fair. <laughs> uh, but no, um, I think when they started to get serious and kind of change to Major League Soccer, the whole culture of the club, not just communications, I think the whole culture of the club started to change in terms of, Here's what we think we should be doing versus, you know, what got us to where we are. And I think mm-hmm. that turned off a lot of people. And But it it didn't matter as much because you're still, you know, gaining people every day because you're going to Major League Soccer. But uh, that really hurt. And then uh, I think the first year or two of Major League Soccer, of course, with COVID and everything else was, was very difficult. But also with COVID, that kind of let us interact, you know, digitally on Zoom calls. So we kind of got back into things a little bit more, got more content. And I think the club also then phased a couple of those negative people out and realized, hey, we do, we lost this connection with the supporters. And, and recently, um, I think there's been some, you know, tr- you know, you need to get the gain trust and, and time. And, but, you know, recently, I think that relationship's been back again, they've been, nice. been building again, where, um, you know, they realize that we're all nine to fivers, we all have jobs. Um, when you can get there, great. Um, and we do have to tailor some things around about, you know, making recordings uh, at convenient for the players versus them coming on at nine o'clock on, on Monday nights. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's changed for the better. Um, and I hope it continues that. But again, it just changes with people. Um, but the thing is, Cincinnati is so special. FC Cincinnati is so special. And the attachment to, you know, how many times do you talk to somebody say you know you know i fell in love when i got to meet patty barrett on a tuesday night at northgate mall or tyler yeah. gibson there or uh spencer ritchie at a buffalo wings fan night you know that was what got us there 
you know, it, everybody felt a part of something. And, and I think that's kind of coming back. FC Cincinnati's funny realizing this is what we need to do again. You know, uh, we were blessed to have Matt Miazga and Roman Celentano down to a, a show at the end of the year. Um, you know, this year we're going to have, I think, uh, you know, of course, former player, but Corbin Bones going to be a part of the, the Norden uh, kickoff. So they're, they're willing to get those guys out there and get everybody involved again. So you almost kind of answered it just with that last question, but maybe not. So I'll ask it anyway. What was the magic ingredient for why you think that year one FC Cincinnati project really captured the minds of this community and created the fan base that was the springboard to getting us into MLS? Oh, man, I don't know if I could answer that completely because it's so many things layered on top of each other, whether it's the crystal palace game like i think all of us were like okay we're still building we're still building when's this gonna slack off and it never did and then the crystal palace game that just jumped and we went from being something that's you know i I love the cyclones but we were kind of like looked at as like the cyclones like yeah you know if you're lucky to get a hit or two here on the radio i think that went from oh shoot these guys are actually like major league and yeah. uh, as soon as that whole mindset, whether it's my father who doesn't go to any soccer games, he'd end up going to like three, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he respected what was going on. So I think that was a huge part of, of getting the casual fan, casual Cincinnati person involved. Yeah, I I completely agree with you there. I, I think it was it was something that was taken seriously because it took itself seriously. It didn't show up as a gimmick. It didn't show up as, yeah. you know, like like I went to Cincinnati Dutch Lions games and they were at the Xavier soccer field and like not to make it a Xavier UC thing. Same thing would have happened if they tried to do all of FCC's games at Geitler, but it just feels incredibly minor league when you show up to something like that. And I do think that there's some degree of you know, yeah. fake it till you make it, <laughs> well, right? And also, like, I always would say the first year and, and even later on is just bring one friend. Just bring them that one time and they're going to yeah. get hooked and yep. bring them again. And, like, if you go say, hey, come with me to XU Soccer Stadium. Yeah, I don't think they're really going to go down to um, whatever the West End's, you know, high school football stadium was at the time. Taft. Taft, yeah. Yeah, yeah or the uh, sin- former home of the Cincinnati Saints. Yes. Yeah, and, and I think there was a lot of great things. You know, I, I wanted to go to a Saints game so bad, but they, I think they only play on like Friday nights or most yeah. of their games are Friday nights. And that was just that was softball night. You know, I'm West Side Cincinnati. So softball. <laughs> <laughs> softball and then right over to Wild Mike's, you know, dude, that him, sounds right? so amazing right now. Little Mi- little Mike's mix for the boys. Oh, my God. <laughs> I grew up like right down the street from there. Back when oh. it was Buffalo Wings and Rings. So with with that being said of this sort of team as a sort of an upstart, did your perspective on how you were covering the team that first year change or like what you were doing sure. at CST? Did it evolve as, oh, this goes from we're at a game with Xavier with a thousand people to, oh, there's 15,000 people, 20,000 people coming to these games. Did your process evolve as you saw Certainly. what this team was becoming? Certainly. I think that's actually where the written content side came out of things. Mm. Um, you know, we were so dead set against writing anything. Like I, I said, like I used to actually be, I used to work in college athletics and I used to oversee sports information, which is the game stories and everything. And, and while I love a good game story, sometimes I don't love, you know, the time that goes into writing that stuff. And I was super against it, but over time, 
you know, thank goodness for Michael Walker and, and a lot of those guys that came on to, to start jumpstarting that writing staff. But um, there wasn't an, any written content. Yeah. Me, Pat Brennan, you know, bless Pat and Charlie and those guys this for those first couple of years and still still today. But um, yeah, the people just wanted to consume. They were so, you know, just wanting any little snippet you could get. And that was also great with that, that first communication staff is they, I said, hey, you know, what do you think about this story? I'll, I'll, I'll give them your cell phone. They'll call you in five minutes and we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to whoever you want. So that that was pretty that's neat, awesome. and then that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I'd kill for that these days. But you know, again, that was the deal. Like that in, in minor league soccer, like right. They, that's just what they do. Like they they want to be loved. Those players, the the, the organizations want to be loved. And um, no, and it, we had a, we had Mitch Hildebrand on the show a couple uh, months ago. Yeah. And it's amazing how you talk to him or you talk to any of these other players from back in the day. And I'm sure you guys have talked about this on your podcast many times, how none of these guys or very few of these guys were used to the level of coverage mm-hmm, yeah. and a level of notoriety that they were receiving. And like Mitch comes on and he's like, yeah, I got kind of messed up a little bit by 30,000 people chanting my name all at once. <laughs> that wasn't something that wasn't something I'd ever had happen to me. And I'm, I'm sure that was kind of an interesting experience too, for you guys interacting with a lot of these players who mm-hmm. probably hadn't given an interview since to their college newspaper maybe like right right the first I was time they, say, yeah i was gonna say it, it reminds me a lot of like that first couple of years of like co- covering a college team i did plenty of that in, at, at ohio university and yeah that's a, that's a great comparison yeah uh, it is i i don't know i, I just think it's interesting that the club did eventually go away from that. Do you, do you, I mean, I don't, the goal here isn't to shit on FCC, but do you <laughs> think that was a necessary change for the club? Or do you think it was like, do you think it was something that they had to do to be a grown up organization that this is the reality of going from what is essentially minor league sure. to major league? Or do you think, you know, they they lost sight of what they were trying to do in the first place. Yeah, they they brought in a lot of people that came from other markets that had um, uh, adversarial relationships uh, mm-hmm. with media, whether that's you know Boston and uh, New York and and things like that. So where it said, hey, like I I had a went to a lunch one day with one of the new staffers, and I said, hey, you know, I'm here to help you. Whether that's you want to leak me something or. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> or if you yeah. want to, if you, if you need, you know, help getting the word out, like on something like, uh, the, 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 the first half is like, Hey, we got a, a signing with Mitch and whoever, can you help publish? Sure. I'd be more than happy to do that. I said, whatever you guys need, let us. And then they started putting conditions on our coverage. Like mm. you need to be at X, Y, and you need to be at practice four days a week and you need to do X, you need to do Y and you need to have three people at covering the press box and you do the and we're nine to fivers and right. and that, that was very challenging for us and um it's not like many of us are getting rich doing this we're doing it because oh, we love man. we love was... the sport and we like the we like we like talking about the sport or writing about the sport this isn't a none of us could make a living doing this like, no <laughs> was, offense to any of us but <laughs> was literally going to ask have you gotten rich from running cst <laughs> and so we've uh, this is a season i think we've had a patreon or, or donations for probably six years uh you know i've never taken a penny um i think may you know 
maybe to buy a $16 boom mic, you know, this boom or something that I'm using right now, but I'm fancy. Telling. But yeah, we, we put it back into, um, you know, the live show. So like the gear, I don't know if you guys have been to a live show and, and seen oh, all yeah. the gear that we yes. have hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of live gear and, and the photographers and sending guys to the press box, things like that. So I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, what was that first live show? Like where your podcast has now gotten popular enough oh, which that one people are going to show up the first one i went to was at rings and rings in oakley was yeah, the first one i remember same. going to same yeah that was was that i know i know i can't remember if that's the first or second one that that with jeff birding showing up for i think it was like right when they announced like the finalists for um major league soccer expansion or something and, and jeff was buying jeff birding was buying shots <laughs> for everybody yes, yes that was wild um yeah do you yeah. miss the uh, mls expansion days I... oh yeah i really i i love that i we had some great um traction during those days um helped when we got some breaking news and things like that from the club but uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. I do miss that, but I also love to see where we're at now. Um, this yeah. is the first time in in four or five years where we've got to talk legitimately about positive soccer, and uh, you know that's the cool thing about having Coach Golf and Justin Hoyt on the show, guys that actually know stuff. And <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 been pretty cool. I'm so happy that we're winning again. It's it's just taken it's it brought the joy back into this. I mean, we were. We were contemplating shutting this whole thing down just because it was such a drag and so tough to go every week to preview, to recap, to write. Yep. Yeah. And Team hasn't scored a goal in like eight matches. Yap Stam <laughs> hasn't given a decent quote to the media in months. Sure. Gerard and I can't. You have no idea what he's doing. And it's like, what are we doing here talking about this and following this? There's there's nothing to discuss. This is horrid. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, you know, you say, some, you know, we all have a, a you know, a nice drink or something on, on most of the shows on Monday night. And you say one thing that's just a tad little bit in the gray area and you get an email t- the next day. You oh. say, well, you know, why did you have to do that? And we're like, well, so I think we're past that. Because the team sucks. I think we're, yeah, I think we're <laughs> a passing. I, I, I don't, I think that was a person versus a culture, you know, a person that maybe changed the culture, but I think the culture's come back. Uh, is it perfect? No, but um, I think it's getting better. Yeah. So, so Pip, you, before we, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Darren. I was just going to say, you guys made the fatal mistake of being popular enough that people listen to you. See, yeah. that's how you get around that. Yeah. Galaxy <laughs> Brain, have a show no one listens to, no downloads. <laughs> so, before we start, before we start talking about Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati specifically this year, I, I wanted to get your take on this. Um, and I'm going to start off with a broad question Why does no one cover MLS? <laughs> <laughs> There's no money in it, right? Um, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, I don't know. We're, we're, we're actually working with uh, several of the SB Nation, former SB Nation sites now to reorganize themselves and, and help provide them a, a groundwork. Uh, that's mm. been kind of cool the past couple of weeks. To, it's really cool, actually. Yeah, to, to talk to all these guys and, and gals and see you know where we can help, what we've, where we've succeeded, where we haven't. Um, yeah, and again, none of these guys are getting rich, but you know, having that pot of cash there to justify some time, I think has certainly been a thing. You know, how lucky are we that we have the Enquirer and right. all the and all the local or um, Laurel for that matter. Oh, uh, and that was taking, the next part. Yeah, and yeah. and and to to be you know have enough support for her. Um, she's tremendous. 
Uh, we tried to hire her. Uh, I think she made the better move. <laughs> she made the better move. But, um, uh, Transfer Mark tried to uh, add her to the post at one point, just in terms of crediting stories. That was a uh, that was an awkward Twitter exchange. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she's ever really forgiving me for one time labeling her a Yap Stan because I perceived that she kept defending him too much. But <laughs> we'll we'll win her back. We'll have her on someday. sometime. Someday, someday. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with regard the, to the, oh, sorry, go ahead. I say the Please. only reason the only reason why we're able to have these people is because there's a army of orange and blue fanatics that read mm-hmm. the stuff, and as soon as they're gone, and that's why I was I, I was worried about it because I see our traffic. Thank God this past year our traffic went back to <laughs> great numbers, but at the end of 2021, man, I'm like, jeez, it was rough. Yeah. No, oh, winning, winning solves a lot of problems. Is really is really what it comes down yeah. to. We, we we talked on here or on our side chat before we even started recording the podcast on the idea that it's incredible as many people stuck around to yeah. even reach it to twenty twenty two. When you think of how dire things were, um, and, and again talking about this season in particular, uh, is this the sort of slowest rollout to an MLS season or a sports season you can possibly remember? Because is it just me or does it feel like there's absolutely <sighs> nothing out there from the team, from MLS, that you wouldn't You're even right. know that there's a season happening in four weeks no. if it wasn't for like a schedule being released? You're 100% correct. I think the most uh, um, publicity we've seen was this past week's EMLS event, and that's saying something. <laughs> um, hey, our, our boy's actually decent again, so Cissé, right. he's finally good again. But why Thank is God. that? Why, why is EMLS yeah. like a thing, and why why is there... Why isn't why isn't the league and why isn't everything the machine around the league just generating hype? It feels like nothing's going on. Why is that? I, I think... You know, January 1st came around, I was like expecting Apple and, and all this stuff. And I'm just like, what the, what the hell's going on? And, and, you know, normally the club puts out stuff and there's very little there. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many times we've credited this on, on Pat Noonan changing the culture, like a video of him, you know, saying to the guys, get the ball to Lucho in the right spots and do this and do that. And, and how cool is that to see last year? Uh, I'm assuming they're just, they've produced all that and they're waiting for, tomorrow february 1st to come but uh whatever whenever you're listening to this um but yeah february 1st and apple i hope they begin to build the narrative because it drives me so insane that a fifth division club in england can get millions of fans (laughs) it was the best thing i've ever seen is that like there's like Seventeen thousand reviews on IMDb about Welcome to Wrexham, and there's zero reviews of like Welcome to LAFC from 2019. So, um, which was an ESPN show, which was actually tremendous. I love that. But you're yeah. Kevin, ask a question. I'm going to Google how many reviews there are for Nonstop Flight right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think that was nominated non-stop for a local flight. Emmy. Um. <laughs> are they still trying to put that on Netflix? I think that was the, the whole deal. I mean, right. be prepared. I imagine it'll be on how uh, I'm imagining this Apple TV deal is that so. each team will have a channel within the channel and I imagine that'll be available for oh. us to watch. Uh, <laughs> would, you, would you like to join us for an impromptu soccer blog book club by any chance, Brian, if you have the time? Oh, man. <laughs> well, there I'm in a car because, a lot, so. Because there is only one review for non stop flight on imdb i haven't read it yet but it starts out with this headline nothing untold in this fcc house production 
but still vaguely enjoyable for FCC fans. <laughs> Nonstop Flight, the untold story of FC Cincinnati, 2020 release, 90 minutes, is a documentary about the improbable rise and rise and rise of FC Cincinnati <laughs> into MLS before it all came crashing down. As the documentary <laughs> opens, we hear from FC Cincinnati President Jeff Birding how he found himself becoming interested in the local and regional soccer culture. He coached his young son's soccer team. And how he eventually linked up with Carl Under the Third to develop what would become FC Cincinnati, starting out in minor league USL in 2016. At this point, we are 10 minutes into the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Did that man. air on the CW to start to like the random ass uh, probably bracketed by uh, reruns of um, what's the what's the damn Big geek Bang show? Theory. Big, Big Bang. Bang. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I can tell you that the final paragraph of this review, so I'm going to spare you the rest of it, um, says the documentary premiered on Cincinnati's Channel 9 WCPO. Oh, OK, then. Oh, shoot. They bought expensive airtime. That's not even sinclair yeah (laughs) they went with they jumped channels on them that's incredible no i am i'm with you brian i'm trying to i'm assuming that like all of the various mls teams are busy making content for apple and they better be they better (laughs) be if there is nothing when we all jump on tomorrow which i assume will happen um yeah, that's going to be a disaster. <laughs> and I mean, not to not to go long on it, but I mean, look, I I wrote like literally like 3000 words on Rexum and then just haven't posted it cuz I annoyed <laughs> myself. But I think you're exactly right and chief you said this best in the Discord that like it really is the Rorschach test of American soccer. Whatever your opinion of American soccer you will be, you know, vindicated by the reaction to Welcome to Wrexham. But, like, this MLS season has a lot going for it. You have, like, the turncoat in Joseph Martinez. You have the Italian Revolution in Toronto. Seattle's World Cup, or, you know, Club World Cup run. Uh, You've got L.A. and L.A. reloading. I How about mean, this? You have what's been told and described as the the cradle of American soccer, St. Louis, joining the league. And there's been virtually no content on the building of this franchise in St. Louis or this club in St. Louis. I forget they're getting a team all of the time. Right. <laughs> like just completely unprepared for the you, you know what, the else, <laughs> what else is wild is that they they uh, they folded the St. Louis FC USL team, I think, and folded their fan base into the MLS team. And there's been no friction there. There hasn't been like the fighting like there was otherwise. So you've got this entire rich history of the Luligans out there, and there's nothing about that. There's nothing about like the league producing content about them training or playing their first uh, preseason matches. It's it's I can never remember I can't remember a league where an expansion franchise has drawn so little like interest. Even mm-hmm. Austin, there was just boatloads of content about Austin leading up mm-hmm. to their first like. You couldn't get away from Matthew McConaughey giving some fucking speech somewhere. <laughs> what is what's the guy Lars or Hans or whatever his damn name is? St. Louis at the GM. Uh, oh, yeah, it doesn't help when when he comes out and says, "Oh, we don't need any uh, DPS. We're all DPS." I'm like, dude, <laughs> right. you guys are gonna be terrible. We don't we don't need designated players. We have oh, a designated god. team. That's <laughs> it. Oh my god. This is some some super millennial Gen Z nonsense. It's, we're all DPs. We're all special. Right. It just felt very NICAP. I was getting flashbacks <laughs> for them. It was it was but an this issue. eye twitch right here. It's like, oh god, I've seen this before. 
run St. Louis run. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, what are you looking forward to the most out of this season? What what are you, what are you excited about the most? Home home wins before the second half of the year. Um, Don't get greedy. Uh, better pro time. referees, better pro referees. That's uh, not going to happen. <laughs> I was on a, a season preview and they're like, what was the main reason why um, FC Cincinnati drew so many matches or were in a place of winning and turned into draws? I said, pro referees. I was like, I'm dead serious. They're like, really? Huh? I'm like, no, I'm dead serious. Um, yeah. I don't know. This, I, ta- I'm, this I'm, town is not ready for more ref- poor refereeing. Oh, like man. everyone is still on edge. That's, the wound is gaping from Kansas City. If yeah. we get to match day one and there's some shithousery from the officiating, oh. people may storm the field. <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of going back to like the Bengals analogy, I guess, a little bit. Is They had such a good year, such a good end of last year. Um, I think if you, Yakuba, would have been in that playoff game, I think it, it's a different result. It's um, interesting. Yeah. I think... Just to see, okay, we think we're pretty good. Now, are we pretty good? Are the is this Marco Angulo going to be a, a impact player? Um, do we sign Arias on the right flank and and get some sort of creativity on that side? And then can we keep um, the attacking three as long as we can, whether it's healthy or here in Cincinnati? So, do you think we get to the summer window with that trio intact? I think until the summer window, yes. Unless something happens. I think Portugal's open for another couple days. I don't Mm. think any Portuguese team's going to offer $12 million to FC Cincinnati for for Brenner. You never know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think so. And um, it's in his, it's in Brenner's best interest to keep performing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a win-win. It's, I think that now this process is to a point where the only way out is up. And I think he knows that his agent knows that. And um, yeah, I think it's a positive situation. I think that everyone that's concerned about this, it's a little overblown for people that are concerned about it. I, I he, think what's it, he going to do? Pout, not yeah, play, I, tank his yeah. value. I think it was positive seeing um, again. I don't want to you know burn any paywalls here, but Laurel reported um, a, a, you know, a eight digit fee for, for Brenner. And I think finally seeing those numbers versus like the nine millions, um, I think that's positive for him. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, there's going to be a lot more cash to spend in the summer than there is in the winter. Winter. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, now, as we uh, as we get ready to wrap this up, you got a uh, season prediction where FCC will place or whatever you oh, want to make your prediction to be. Make it bold, though. Let's grab some headlines here. Yeah. We're gonna Let's we're gonna we're gonna. Headlines. We're going to uh, take a photo of you and we're going to add the quote to the bottom. And it's got to be something scintillating so we can draw some listeners. Yes. Um, so we're going to make Nashville eat shit back in the in the uh, uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, like we're going to do that. Um, New York Red Bulls. Uh, we're going to make them pay. Thank God Aaron Long's not a part of that that uh, organization anymore. Uh, I think we're going to do pretty well. I think we'll finish solid top three in the East. Um, League's Cup champions. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. League's <laughs> Cup champions. Go. You heard it here first. Hey, that way, if we win the League's Cup, then Brenner will get enough points to get a work visa over. And, and that's, what, that's what we need to worry about so, right so now. So I see I'm not the only person that spent time perusing the, oh, uh, the, the British uh, work visa program yeah, documents oh, yeah. to figure out if he qualified. We were doing the math. I don't think he had the points. 
I don't think he could have done it. My thought was if he was going to Nottingham Forest, they were going to immediately loan him to Olympiacos, hope they make Champions League, and then he'd have the points to rejoin them next year. But we'll see what happens. Um, Now, Brian, I mean, I feel really dumb asking this, but uh, on the off chance that four of our ten listeners don't follow CST or read CST or listen to CST, where might they find you? <laughs> uh, if you know how to spell Cincinnati, that's a start. CincinnatiSoccerTalk.com. Uh, Don't at, assume anything of our oh, listeners. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I'd, uh, uh, at C-I-N-C-Y, Soccer Talk on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. We're trying to get that going again. Uh, we have a lot of really great young guys that are starting to get into some leadership positions inside CST. So uh, you don't have uh, my snide comments as much on um, <laughs> on Twitter anymore. I got yelled at by Louisville City. Like I I, I uh, can't remember the guy's name, but I said, "Hey, you know, we're we're you know we we're on ourselves pretty professionally." He goes, "No, no, you don't. I see your Twitter." I said, "Okay, <laughs> well, you, you got me there." Right. Um, Sorry, I don't meet your exacting standards. Team that yeah. employs a sexual predator. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that that was a fun fun story. I actually had F- FCC like email Louisville, and they're like, no, "You guys need to credential these guys." And then of course, <laughs> then of course, Bragg gets let out by a police officer by standing in the front row. That was incredible. Oh, such a good photo too. There's such a good photo of that. He's like looking at the police officer, like, "Are you kidding me right now?" This is really happening. This is. <laughs> And uh, was it a sibling's mom was also yes, and yeah, 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 that's great. She's a peach. <laughs> oh man! Before yeah. we let you go, we do. Have, I do have one final question to ask you. Um, when are we getting another round of CST trivia so the post team can return oh. to defend our trivia crown? Come um, on! <laughs> I don't think we. I was a, a fish question. out of water. I was a fish out of water. I'm like. Ah, man, that was that was brutal. <laughs> I think it was like Pat Laurel, Brad Me, and then a guy from Soccer America. Paul and Kennedy. Maybe, well, Paul Kent, thank you. Paul Kennedy. He's a he's a mate. By the way, I think we suck so bad because like he was like Pat Brennan was just his mouth was open like 18 feet, just like listening to Paul Kennedy's stories that whole night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That was it. fun, though. That was that was fun. You know, think about this, guys. Like, how many cool moments in U.S. soccer history we've been a part of in eight years? U.S. games. Yeah. Um, the best U.S. I mean, yeah, okay, this past year, I think there's USL team that made the final Sacramento. But, I mean, the most notoriety for a non-MLS yeah. team was yeah. New York. Crystal Palace selling out oh. Nippert Stadium. Yeah. The Michael Millay about- getting his one appearance in the FCC <laughs> uniform. <laughs> I love that guy. He is such a top 10 person. Um, I know we're keeping you late, but that's Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati. I saw your guys' show uh, when you had all them on. Those guys are the best. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. be rooting for a project more than I'm rooting for this. I think we're talking about going down there yeah. to actually cover the games. So that's going to be a blast, I think. Yeah, now they're going to have to face like former U.S. men's national team and women's national team players. Um so we were talking about this earlier, like where it gets to be special in Cincinnati. Like people still bring up to Dallas J and I'm not sure he loves this, but like, Hey man, I remember when you got that yellow, uh, that red card sitting on the bench. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, I can't believe that that is still something people remember, but like, I mean, he didn't play much, but 
we remembered you you got pissed at the ref so you're 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 a dog you know got the dog in you and we love you for it yeah it's his fault that we didn't have a uh, espn plus to show us the guam national team games okay That's- my buddy played on that team i had a buddy that played on that team with him yep <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. No, I know Chief said last question. I almost forgot. Brian, I need your opinion. Did GB bite Niall McCabe? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but I love the fact that we all showed up to that US Open Cup match with vampire teeth in our mouths. (laughs) Hundreds of sets of vampire teeth in the Bailey that night. That was incredible. I had a uh, two poll uh, that was the uh, GV School of Dentistry that I was very I be- proud of. <laughs> I believe that was also the genesis of uh, the now incredibly prescient chant, fuck you, James O'Connor, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> yes. Wow. We like were ahead aged, of the curve. <laughs> aged like wine. <laughs> I just I just want to play them so bad in the Open Cup. And I want to play now there. Now I do. I want now to play I do. there. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't want to play in the previous years. Now I absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. do. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. Now our depth is pretty darn young with all these homegrowns coming in. But, uh, you know, Alvis Powell, you know, let's, let's get a goal on that no, right hand no, side. No, no, if, if we play them down in Louisville, I want somebody to go down to the locker room and Full say, strength. look, like Lucho, this is oh, one of yeah. the nice, like, we're going to need you there for the first half. And we're just going to style on these guys for 45 minutes. And then, you know, DX crotch chop our way out up six to nothing. <laughs> Brenner, you scored 10 goals on these guys. You pick the team, you go on a free. <laughs> <laughs> Walks oh. out a legend. <laughs> oh, no. Brian, thank you so, so much for coming on. Um, obviously, obviously, Cincinnati Soccer Talk, throw it in Google. Throw in FC Cincinnati. They'll probably be the second link on Google. So, um, no, thank you so much for coming on. No, it was a pleasure. Um, I said, I, I listen to you guys um, every week. Um, just the fact that there's there's so many different outlets and different ways to cover this club. There's not one way to do things. And that's what I love. Like, I loved KLR. Like, I religious yeah. uh, with, with listening to that. And people are like, you, you what? I'm like, dude, it's entertaining. There's different, like, I learn things. I think of things differently. And, um, you know, whether it's with the, with Chief here or Kevin, I mean, um, it's it's incredible. Um, I love love every second of it, and I love the other things outside of FCC as well that you guys cover. So some <laughs> there's, some of those are the most enjoyable. Like, uh, uh, shoot, um, what's his name? Walker Zimmerman's mom. Oh yeah. That oh, book. God. <laughs> I was driving to Chillicothe, Ohio, and I about pissed myself laughing so hard at that whole segment. That was. Oh, I, I may or, I may or may not have bought the book. So I know, right? Like, I kind of want to do this. And the the groundskeep, the crit. What the. F- yeah, I I, I want to. I own the book. I am going to oh. look into the movie rights as soon as I'm done. Yes. <laughs> We could sell a screenplay. There are so many streaming options out there. We could sell a screenplay. I might just start. Um, I know you can do like Twitter bots. Like they've got one that just tweets the lyrics to Africa by Toto like every five minutes. I may start a Twitter bot with the script of this book and just have it tweet at Walker Zimmerman quotes from his own his mom's own book. I do think we need to do that when he comes oh, yeah. to play in Cincinnati. I think it's, yeah, it's a must. Gonna... And we need to find if, if his mom's in town and... <laughs> It's mandatory. Politely, politely, maybe not yell at her, but like throw up like the poster boards. Yeah. You know. <laughs> the, the club's been letting uh, Capo do a, uh, a rah-rah speech before games. 
I say just crack crack the spine and just start reading. <laughs> we gotta Walker's do it to mom somebody. Has got it going on. We gotta do it to somebody re- like that has no clue. Like, hey, Yurski, like, uh, just come over here and bite this bullet for us, or just, yeah, you never know. You can wear the face paint. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Get creative with it. Oh my god. No. Oh my god. Thank you so much, Brad. <laughs> Thanks for having me, and uh, I appreciate you know we're, we're blessed to have you guys and. Uh, uh, can't wait for for you guys to crack that 300th uh, episode when when I when I shut this thing down in three four years and you guys are keep going. <laughs> them, them little kids, man, they'll get you. They'll get you. Look, it'll be a miracle if we get to episode 50. <laughs> <laughs> week to week. Oh my gosh! Thank you again. And we're back. And I mean, that was a great conversation. I had a blast. They're awesome. And we didn't get into it too, but CST is just, it's an awesome organization. And they, they, I didn't want to, you know, put him on the spot in terms of flattering him too much, but I know he listens. So he'll hear this. (laughs) They deserve every flower they get for carrying the torch for this team, for being a serious outlet for real journalism, a outlet for fan journalism at the same time. And They've done the, the we didn't even touch on the fact they do charity work with their foot golf outing they've done before. Um, yes, they're great people. And like you said before uh, in the last segment, if you're somehow not following their content and consuming their content and you're somehow doing ours, if you have one thing to listen to, listen to them first. Seriously, they know what they're doing. Don't listen yeah. to us first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you will get. You will get the straight FCC uh, from those guys. And uh, no, super, super ha- happy to have him on. And um, if you if you search deep enough into the archives there, you find a couple of things I wrote for them way back in the day as a, as a guest contributor. So <laughs> uh, we, we all... We all have our histories there. So, no, it's good stuff. And, uh, no, very appreciative of him coming on. But as I teased before, my gosh, we can't have a days-long conversation on the Internet about the fate of U.S. soccer without the chief and myself giving our takes on this. Um, The world of MLS has been... I think consumed, I think is the fair way to phrase this with the conversation around AFC uh, Wrexham, welcome to Wrexham and what it means for American soccer, what it means for MLS, what it means for any number of things. Chief, there's about a hundred ways we can take this conversation. Is there anything I need to table set before we dive in or do we just dive in? If you haven't watched Welcome to Wrexham on Hulu, um, stop the podcast and go start watching that. Yeah, it's it's I held out. And the the part of the funny thing about this conversation is I was expecting this conversation in November or October. (laughs) Right. When the show was actually airing. Um, It's a great show. If you're a soccer fan, you'll love it. You just will. And I understand there's this. I'm that guy usually where I'm cynical about somebody tells me, oh, you're a soccer person. Have you watched this soccer thing? Right. Like we're all monoliths that, of course, any bit of soccer content you'll enjoy. No, this is soccer content that you'll enjoy for the most part. Um, So it's a show. If you're somehow living under a rock, it stars Rob McAnally from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Ryan Reynolds of Deadpool. And he doesn't like to mention this, but also the Green Lantern, which was terrible. (laughs) Um, 
And they purchased during the pandemic a non-league team in Wrexham, Wales, and buy it out of receivership, basically, by the grounds that are associated with the team. And they start becoming Hollywood fairy godmothers to this team that has fallen on hard times, that has dropped all the way out down the English soccer pyramid. And they invest in this team and produce a documentary where they document their involvement with the team and the people in the community and what this means to them. And it's very Hollywood and very entertaining and just how they go about being soccer owners as celebrities in America. And it's, I said it, uh, you mentioned it in the interview with the Weigel, with the Weigel. (laughs) I was, I always refer to them collectively. So we're going to say the Weigel. Um, That it's become this soccer Rorschach test where whatever your take on American soccer is, you will find an argument supporting it with AFC Wrexham. If your take is that America needs promotion and relegation, you will find an argument for that in AFC Wrexham. If your argument, as it is mine, is that promotion and relegation is a fairy tale sold by the corporate overlords of soccer that ties in with a feudal system in Europe, whereby people are excited with just joining the peerage, but never actually becoming the king, you will find evidence that Promotion and relegation is a lie, that it's all about how much money you spend on a team. And sporting merit is just a fancy way of saying how much your owners are willing to invest in your team. You'll find an argument there with Wrexham. If your argument is that American sports fans are compelled by narrative as opposed to actual on-field results, you'll find that in Wrexham. Um, And yeah, I'm interested in your take on this because we've disagreed a lot over the years before we started recording a podcast, even before we started writing the post, even the two of us have been fighting this fight about the European model versus the American model. And Wrexham has kind of provided this perfect foil for this debate to happen. So where do you stand on why this has suddenly become a flashpoint? Yeah, I I think it becomes a flashpoint specifically for this reason, that ESPN has the rights to the FA Cup. It's one of the few soccer properties that they have attached to um, teams in the Premier League that they know. So they have the championship, I believe, and they have La Liga and they have the Bundesliga, but they relegate all of that to ESPN Plus that lives where the other stuff that they don't want to talk about lives. USL is treated exactly the same as La Liga, as far as ESPN is concerned. Um, the FA Cup it is like the US Open Cup, if you're not familiar. It's teams from top to bottom in England uh, working their way in there, of which AFC Wrexham is a part of uh, in this tournament. And when Wrexham's first uh, FA Cup game came up, ESPN sent a crew over to England and Wales to cover the game, do halftime analysis. I believe they even did pre and post game shows at the grounds in a sense, treating Wrexham much better than they ever treated MLS for the 15, 20 years that they had the rights to MLS. MLS Cup doesn't get a post-game show on ESPN. Never had and never will now. (laughs) But 
Wrexham versus another fourth or fifth division club did. That was weird. Like, at the very least, was being presented at that level. Um, And I will say, as an MLS fan, super fucking annoying. Like, I get it. It's an interesting storyline. And I get it that there are those celebrities attached to it. But Will Ferrell and Matthew McConaughey are attached to MLS clubs. Kevin Durant's attached to an MLS club. Patrick Mahomes is attached to an MLS club. You own the rights to the Open Cup. And to have Rob McElhenney go on SportsCenter and say the FA Cup is special because we don't have anything like that in the U.S. (laughs) I don't know, man. As a U.S. soccer fan, that's kind of an insult. So (laughs) I get it. I don't. I don't disagree that the promotion and relegation is a part of the story. I don't disagree. I don't think that is the key part of the AFC Wrexham story. No. The the idea of promotion is not beaten over the head necessarily. They want it because it is financial stability for them. Like that is ultimately the goal that they're working for. And that is the which, which actually cuts against the idea of promotion and relegation because again agree. it's all about money. It's not about moving up and competing in a better league. It's that our investment will be at stake if we cannot start making more money to solidify what we've put into this club. And to that point, that's the reason why Wrexham was so cheap. It's the reason why Wrexham was in the league that they are in, is that their previous owner used it as a wealth extraction machine and they tumbled down the, the league. And that's just what can happen. Sporting merit wasn't a concern. It was stripped for parts and used for profit and left to fold, which is what happens with a lot of English clubs. They have tried to implement a number of safeguards to prevent this, but it's super common over there. And teams go into bankruptcy and file for absolvency or whatever they call it, and they have to restart. Rangers had to restart. (laughs) that's, That's why Brenner's transfer to Nottingham Forest was conditioned on them staying up. Because yes. they can't afford to take on all these deals if they drop down to the championship from the Premier League. It's it's a key piece of it that is glossed over way too often, which is the financial stability of the teams in relegation. I think that there are I think there are ways you can thread that needle and I I still in my heart of hearts am a believer in promotion and relegation. What I have found super annoying in all of this are fans of European super clubs and other people who are anti MLS generally using the welcome to Wrexham storyline as a bludgeon to beat MLS fans for being annoyed at ESPN's treatment of them versus MLS. So how much of this though, how much of the, so to me, why I loved welcome to Wrexham, why I watched it and it's like, okay, you know, I an MLS, a fan of an MLS club, more than a fan of an MLS club at this point. I've, you yeah. Know, my wife is actively annoyed at how much of my life I have spent You're trying to, to, to launch <laughs> launch the rocket ship here and keep the rocket ship ascending. The majority of what makes Welcome to Wrexham work isn't this idea of I am getting behind Wrexham because I am invested in this club achieving promotion. 
It's that it's a very well-made show yes. that makes me invested in the community of Wrexham and them finding some kind of joy in this team. That it means so much to these people that I root for them. And to that extent, if you did a documentary about, so my alma mater, Tulane University, I went to Tulane, Tulane alum, and we just had our best football season in my adult lifetime. Yeah. Um, won the, uh, the Cotton Bowl against USC. If you did a show about Tulane diehards and what this season meant to them, and there's not a lot of them, believe me, like, you know, most people <laughs> in New Orleans are LSU fans to the core. Even right. people that went to Tulane are LSU fans. <laughs> yes. Or if you did the same thing about UC football and what that playoff season meant to USC, UC football, sorry, University of Cincinnati football. Yeah. Um, you would find yourself gravitating towards like, yeah, I get invested in them winning this game or I get invested in Tulane winning this game because these people seem like good people. They're a little weird because they're really into this thing that like I wouldn't be into if I was in their position. Right. And so I root for Wrexham, not because I'm invested in the team, but because I'm invested in these people being successful. And the other thing that like why Welcome to Wrexham works, it has absolutely nothing to do with promotion, relegation, or the status of the club, is that if you watch the show, part of the joy of the show is seeing Rob McAnally and Ryan Reynolds slowly come to grips with what they've done. And that they, whatever reason, if they thought this club was a good marketing opportunity, because I mean, Ryan Reynolds is into all sorts of shit. He's got Mint Mobile, Aviation Gin. The man is like a D-list Marvel celebrity. Yes. That's why not to have credit. The Deadpool <laughs> movies are great. But I mean, like, yeah. you know, he's he's got the Deadpool thing going on. But otherwise, like before Deadpool, no one would have confused Ryan Reynolds for a A-list Hollywood celebrity. He was making right. movies like Van Wilder and Free Guy. Free Guy is a great airplane movie. No one's going to remember a single scene from the movie Free Guy. My um, favorite is Smoke and Aces, if anybody has seen that incredible action movie. Yes. <laughs> but um but they buy this for whatever reason they buy it. But as the show goes on, you can sort of see them come to grips with the idea of, Oh no, this isn't just a cute little marketing thing. We're going to do this really means something to these people. And it really means something to this town and watching them two Americans that probably barely know the rules of soccer. When this all starts out, really get into being soccer owners and soccer fans and that's a really cool story. And I root for it because they seem like likable guys. They're actors. They're paid to be likable guys on screen, despite what they really are in real life, which I don't know. They could be anyone. Yeah. But I am rooting for them to succeed because they seem to care about being stewards of this thing. So I feel like all these stories that we dealt with online and you know on these various blogs and everything, They just don't really understand what Wrexham is about. And you could tell this same story in MLS. But the problem is, is that Will Ferrell isn't interested in telling this story because he's a weird, goofy dude that really never is comfortable with showing himself being sentimental in real life about everything. Everything with Will Ferrell is a joke. He did this thing where he was trying out or he was playing in spring training games for every MLB team where he played an inning for the Reds in right field. It's like everything that Will Ferrell does is for like, you know, 
some avant-garde Andy um, Kaufman style comedy thing. Yes. Like if you had the right owner in MLS to tell this story, I think you could tell this story in MLS too, but no one's going to watch this documentary about Carl Linder because he plugs into the wall to recharge every night. He doesn't have a personality. No one's going to watch this story about Jeff Birding. I love Jeff Birding. He's just not an interesting character the same way fucking Deadpool is. Right. That That is a huge piece of this, is the production value is very good. The celebrities that they have are incredibly compelling storytellers. Like, it's just a really well-told story. And I think we have lots of stories like that in and around MLS and FC Cincinnati. I mean... Just in the FC Cincinnati community, you could do an entire story about how two identical twins were the only real media outlet for the team at the beginning. There's that one. You've got any number of soccer bars could be your local tavern where you talk to the owner. Pick your pick your poison. Ryan House, uh, The Pitch, Molly Malone's. Uh, I'll throw a shout out to Northern Row. Any one of these would work for that route. I mean, we have, I think it's fair to say, one of the main designers of every FC Cincinnati TIFO the last couple of years has been a blue-collar tradesman electrician. Like, you're telling me that's (laughs) not a compelling story for an interesting fan to do a little segment on? You couldn't do an interesting story about the hometown kid in... uh, in Haglin coming back, you've got Lucho and the the what could have been story with him. You got the up and coming Brandon Vasquez. But, like you can but, tell these compelling stories with any team, but you've got to be there. Yes, and you've got to like you've got to. And part of why why does Wrexham work? The other reason is that the camera was rolling from jump. Yeah, that this entire enterprise of McAnally and Ryan Reynolds buying this team. The camera was rolling in their first meeting where they convinced the supporters trust to sell to them. Now, if you had done the same thing with FC Cincinnati and you would have had the cameras rolling for the first meeting that Jeff Burden can't stop talking about at the coffee shop with Dan McNally and I forget who else was there um, talking with him, Jeff Smith or whoever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you would have had the camera rolling and being there to tell the story of you know, the first people that showed up to march on match day, or if you wanted to talk to, you know, Das Harks or Darren yes. Russell or the aforementioned Andrew Springsteen, who, you know, is an electrician by trade. He's working and fixing buildings and in his spare time designing art on Illustrator that's displayed in front of millions of people on national television. Like <laughs> there, those stories are there. You just have to have the camera there. Yeah. You have to be ready to tell these stories. And then you have to have compelling people giving voice to these stories. And yes. that that's why does Welcome to Wrexham work? It's is it part pro rel? Maybe. But like 95% of it is having someone who is an incredible set of Hollywood storytellers who are one is a showrunner for one of the best comedies of my generation. Right. The other is like a renaissance man in terms of will do any kind of movie, um, comedy, drama. He's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is just a license to print money anywhere in this world. Yep. Yeah. If you get that, if you got Chris Evans, if you got Captain America to <laughs> do a documentary about investing in the New England Revolution, I guarantee you it would be as good as Welcome to Wrexham. I guarantee yeah. it. 
you would find generational fans in some of these markets and you could have that long history that you can talk about the the the, the culture there all right so here's you a question find this. so here's yes. a question take fc cincinnati out of the mix because Please. we're way too embedded in this to ever be objective yeah if you could pick one club in mls to do a welcome to Wrexham show style show about who would you pick this is going to be weird i would pick miami because I think Miami has a weirdly deep soccer history. I think their team is fucking weird. I think that is super compelling in and of itself. I think they have incredibly passionate fans. I think it would be super interesting to tell a Cuban culture story. So the Cuban community in Miami embracing this team, but Cuba itself not being a huge soccer nation or a baseball nation. I think you have the revitalization of top flight soccer in Miami. I think there's a lot of weird, interesting characters. Their owner is fucking David Beckham and some other weird, shady construction magnets, uh, magnates. Um, I think it's I think there's enough storylines and threads and plots and you throw Ray Hudson in there and the the Fort Lauderdale Strikers history and the NASL history and the fact that the Tampa Bay Rowdies owner bought the IP to the Strikers to keep <laughs> them dead like there is so much that you can dive into with Miami and I don't think that would have made most people's top 10 so no. yeah <laughs> I'm going to be bold please I say I say fuck them every episode the Columbus crew. That's an interesting story. So you want to talk about missed opportunities in MLS history? At some point at MLS headquarters, there was a meeting that was held between Don Garber and the board of owners and their lawyers, where before anything about save the crew became a, you know, we're going to save the crew. This is going to happen. Yeah. They made that decision in a New York boardroom well ahead of time. Yeah. The second they made that decision, they should have been sending film crews to meet with all these people and document all of this and create a save the crew documentary. They should have been <laughs> that you, you lay a couple thousand bucks on Morgan Hughes. I guarantee you he shuts the fuck up about the fact that this was all the fix was in well before they made it public. Yep. I mean, that's compelling television, a group of allegedly a group of grassroots individuals provides a great political cover for a sports league to not have to challenge Modell's law in Ohio courts. Yeah. We don't have to talk about the court aspect. Just give the fans all the fucking credit and make a documentary about it. Talk about their organizational meetings, have them talk about what they did, interview former crew players, interview former people that were involved in the start of the city of the, uh, the first season ticket holders, people that remember yes. going to games at Ohio Stadium. Just these stories are out there for every professional club, including in MLS. You just need people that are on the ground with the camera and have the ability to tell the story. The content creators and the people that are the filmmakers to translate these stories to a visual medium. They're there and with the right people and the right marketing apparatus behind it, they can be successful just about anywhere. Yeah, and I completely agree. And I do think, yeah, promotion and relegation is a interesting storyline, but it's just one of the storylines. I mean, this documentary is in the same vein as All or Nothing Manchester City, 
which is very good content, very compelling. Manchester City is never being relegated again, just flat out. They will no. they will literally buy every team in the championship and rebrand them as Manchester City before they are relegated. Um <laughs> But that's fine. Drive to survive. Guess what? There's no promotion and relegation in Formula One. In fact, no. it is. And everyone as, involved is a billionaire. Everyone it's involved as is multi-billionaires. Close a market as you can close a market. There were rumors that they wanted an American team, and they all said no. That's how they work. <laughs> uh, there's, I mean, uh, hard knocks. Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks is such a good example of this and probably the progenitor of all of these genres of in-depth, in-your-face, talk to the guy as he's getting cut in the in the owner's uh, office or the GM's office, whatever it is. Um, that's the best. Where you are rooting for the fifth-string quarterback who is in his apartment with his girlfriend and their three kids trying right. to desperately make his third team in five years. Right. Yeah, like... <laughs> a high mileage minivan around because it's right. like he doesn't have anything better to do right it's like ah, it's this or sell insurance like you know they're they're on the the last the last hurrah and yeah i mean i am absolutely that guy that in the last round of my fantasy football league i'm drafting my favorite character from hard yeah. knocks that season because i just want an extra reason to root for them um but, but doesn't, yeah. this do- doesn't this dovetail <laughs> into we we kind of touched on this with with in the interview yeah just the dearth of content around this league it's and how weird. quiet this off season has been. And we were talking in the discord. It was, you know, you, me, Grayson, Mamey, a couple of the other people that are on there Yeah, with just this idea that this league seems hell bent on being invisible during That's... the off season. And it's in such stark contrast to every other sports league, which has figured out the NBA was the, the hashtag this league. Yes. was sort of like they figured this out that the drama in the offseason can be as compelling as the actual games. The NFL never goes away. As soon as your no. team is eliminated from the playoffs, it's mock draft season. And yep. as soon as the mock draft is over, it's time for the draft. As soon as the draft is over, it's the quiet tampering period and free agency, then the actual free agency period. And then wouldn't you know it, training camp starts and the season's yep. about ready to go along. MLS goes away as soon as MLS Cup is done. And there's just nothing there to keep fans interested. It's like the league apologizes for wasting your time in the offseason. Like, it will never be not crazy to me that it's January 31st as we're recording this. Yeah. The season starts in 25 days, and they haven't released the kits for 2023. <laughs> They've known and these sources say they won't for another 15 days. Or how about this? Sources say that you and I have both seen the kit years ago. Years ago. Years ago. Years ago. <laughs> the gentleman who have, showed we, them to us <laughs> hasn't worked for the club in a year. <laughs> right. We're not even that well connected. And we somehow managed to both uh, sneak a look at this. And the idea that you couldn't buy these kits for Christmas. That like if you are a, a, a dad or a mom in Cincinnati Ugh. and your kid is an FC Cincinnati fan, you could not buy your kid for Christmas a Brandon Vasquez jersey in the 2023 design. Yep. That's absurd. Yep. What in the fuck? And I don't think you could in the 2022 design because they had so many supply problems even getting the kits in, in stock. Right. It's, 
It's absurd. It's absurd. It's a t-shirt at the end of the day. It's a t-shirt with not made of cotton. It's not that hard. We've all bought shirts at a store before. I refuse to believe that Adidas is trying that hard. It is absurd. And yeah, I I mean, as as Brian said in the interview, I hope all of these teams are sitting on mountains of content that they're ready to drop in Apple TV. I don't know what we're supposed to call that, by the way. I hope they give it a name so I can refer to it as something. Um, I hope they're willing to drop this on their streaming platform. Uh, Wouldn't it be funny if they do it between now and when we release on Thursday? And this just sounds like the weirdest fucking thing. That's fine. But you know what they could have done? Previewed it. They could have played snippets. Find out the rest of this interview on February 1st when whatever platform becomes available to you. Right. You know, like you might advertise a product you're trying to sell. It's just absurd. The season starts in 25 days and there has been nothing by way of hype for this season. There's been nothing about the league producing new content about players that are signing, teams that are producing new content about players that are signing. The kits are unreleased. There's no. The league doesn't have a TV partner, so there's been during the off season for every other league. The NBA has a show on ESPN every day. The Jump, it's on yep. every day, regardless of whether the league is happening. NFL has a show. NFL Total Access. They have their own network. They have a TV network that I get on YouTube TV. They have an own show on ESPN every day. All of these other leagues have TV channels. The NHL is a TV channel. NBA is a TV channel. MLB is a TV channel. They have shows on Fox Sports on ESPN. There's nothing from this league. Right. Like what? They've got Extra Time Radio, a podcast? Technically, they have a channel on Pluto TV, which is a free digital service, which basically just scrapes the web for free YouTube videos. (laughs) It's I've I've followed sports my entire life, adult life. I can never remember, like, I'm excited for FC Cincinnati. I'm excited for this team. I think we're going to be really good this year. I would consume as much content as you would put out for this team. And there's nothing. No. They put a static photo of a guy, and I always say, like, in three, like, muscle arm emojis, some bicep emojis, or well, they, they had a clip of uh, our, what, third, fourth string keeper with just the, the no sign right. uh, emojis. Just like the worst content, just worse than nothing in a lot and of this ways. Sh- this should have been going on all, all winter. There should have been player interviews. There should have been, like, hire someone at the club to do some breakdowns of matches from last year to tell me more about what went right. Like, they're not even hyping the good parts of last year to get me excited about buying a ticket. Like, right. it's just, it's, it's, and it's not just us either. I follow a lot of other teams and there's just nothing out there. And this, it's frustrating on the back of, you know, welcome to Wrexham. It's that, it's not only that MLS isn't telling their stories properly, they're not telling any stories. They're not even no. making an effort at it right now. It It is absurd. Like, like I mentioned, there's a lot of interesting stories going on in this season as well. And there's just no avenue or outlet to to consume that. And it's really sad, I think. I think it just comes down to being sad. And, I mean, Andrew Weeby's giving me grief on Twitter about this right now. I'm curious what your thought is. I also think it's a bad look for the league that one of the league's employees is apparently the only person in the United States capable of breaking transfer news. 
it's kind of a bad look. Yeah. It's like, if I don't know if and the commissioner, like, yeah, I, I, I like Tom. I follow I, Tom. I've got very nothing cl- against him. No, but he's very, like, he is very clearly being fed stories. And I'm sorry, yeah. if you're claiming that he's just hustling harder than everybody else, that's, I don't believe that. He works for the league. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, even as we've learned in the Me Too movement, there are power dynamics at play, right? So, what if you, the GM, decide to not feed any info to the league employee? Does that ever get back to you? Do you ever get yeah. a bad recommendation when you are inevitably let go and looking for another job in the league? And they go, ooh, what about this guy? He doesn't play ball. Doesn't right. play ball with the league. Not doesn't generate one, not clicks. One of, not one of us. Yep. Not one of us. Ugh. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I guess it goes back to what, you know, what we were talking about in the interview, that there's just not any money involved in it. And if there was money involved in it, more people would be out there hustling and grinding. I I agree on some level, but is there a lot of money in American Athletic Conference football? I'd say no, but yet was on ESPN, was talked about, had dedicated beat writers. Like, (laughs) I mean, at some point you need your media partners to step up or you need to introduce, as we've talked about, some funny money to seed some of this stuff or to create an independent journalism foundation that just happens to give grants to organizations covering your teams. Or tell your organizations to be less opaque. That like, you know, that I understand everyone wants to be cloak and dagger about stuff, but that when something doesn't work out, if, if Chris Albright has 10 irons in the fire right now and all 10 of them don't work out, there should be a league edict that he needs to leak two of them to Pat Brennan yes, and just give him something to write about. I don't know why you would ever break your own news story as a club. There's no value. There's None. no fucking value. None. There is but they're all, way but more you know, value in you know giving he, it to Pat. You know how all these people operate though they're all obsessed with this idea of no we're going to roll our news out like we don't want this spoiled yeah. because we have an announcement plan that we want to do that's it's and the problem is is i I love most of these people but when you hire a lot of marketing people mm-hmm. then they want to they have this innate need to control the news cycle when it's like no it'll get in front of more eyeballs immediately if pat brennan does it and the inquirer does it and you know what's cool uh, you can still do your dumb video where you show off the river kit, you know, on the river. Well, you can do it on a bridge. Oh, nobody thought of that. Um, you can still do that, but like, yeah, people can talk about it before. The World Wrestling Federation has this figured out where they always selectively leak where the location of the next WrestleMania is going to be or who's being inducted into their hall of fame that they run by themselves yes. and they decide by themselves. They, <laughs> they, they, it's transparent when you watch their programming, they rotate who they leak it to. And then they'll say on their TV show, you'll be watching Monday night raw, uh, sports illustrated broke the story today that WrestleMania will be held in Hollywood, California. And it's like, of course they didn't because you fucking leaked them the story. They didn't <laughs> suss this out themselves. I literally would just, I would categorize all of your news as A news, B news, C news, and I would give it to the appropriate outlets. Oh, you're getting a Premier League defender on loan. He was a $7 million transfer. That's a Pat Brennan news. That should never go to to, uh, to, to Tom Bogert. That should be on Pat's desk. It should have been on Pat's desk the second you thought about it. What, uh, what, it what, what's yeah. a news story that's appropriate to, to leak to the post? Uh, new, ki- le- new kiosk in the... Uh, 
We are the kiosk. <laughs> yes, we are the kiosk outlet for sure. We are the hey. EMLS outlet. Yeah. I'll be it. <laughs> yeah. I'll cover the beach. Shit, you leak me stories, I'll cover anything. I uh I made some digital tifos for Fiddle, which is me drawing on the uh, the paint app on my phone. Uh, yeah. I called them digital yeah. tifos. <laughs> I want to, I want to I want to be the official source to be have information leaked about changes to the concession stands at TQL Stadium. That's what I want. Oh my god! I mean, they switched pretzel vendors last year. We should have been first on this. Right. Come on, guys. Right. <laughs> We're adding the Busk Boy to the menu at TQL Stadium. <laughs> I owe a, I owe the world a Busk Boy. All right. Yeah, I am very aware maybe, of this. Maybe, maybe match day one. Maybe we'll do that on the twenty fifth. I could be celebratory. I'm into yeah. that. Start the uh, season off right. Yeah, but then CST should have the kit early, and yeah. that should drive in engagement. So when Footy Headlines, which gets a shit ton of traffic, says we've got the new kit, they can direct it to your partner in this Cincinnati Soccer Talk, and they can get a lot of clicks off of that. That would yeah. be helpful. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, what well, people just need to know. listen to us about this stuff. This is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can't be that hard to run a league. Just whatever MLS thinks is the right move, do the opposite and you'll get right. pretty far. <laughs> pre-sell your kits at Christmas. They don't have yes. to be available. You can no, pre-sell them. Just make them uh just dumb. Or they should be Christmas gifts. Don't make it that big of a deal. Yeah, like who gives a shit? It's a fucking shirt design. They literally treat it like it's the game plan for the playoff game. <laughs> who gives a shit? Right. Or like the treasure map is written on the back of this is National Treasure 4. You know, it's just. They should do a treasure map kit. That, that would awesome. actually be incredible. Be badass. <laughs> there's, there's actual People... like something in the stadium hidden yeah. people digging all around the city looking for the looking for the pot of gold oh my god uh chief i don't know if we have time for in the 11 out of the 18 that was a lot of content there do it we is. is there anything else that we want to get off of our chest i mean this was basically a a sip and bitch fest right. uh here all right. so <laughs> all right very quickly please in the 11 this week sports okay. jinxes um, and the sports god. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is a, goes out to longtime podcast listener, Mayor Aftab Puraval. Fuck you. <laughs> um, there has never been more conclusive proof that the sports god is real and that you anger the sports god when you display the signs of hubris by doing dumb things like proclaiming that your team owns another team's <laughs> stadium or that your quarterback, who has never won an MVP, and has never won a Super Bowl is somehow the father of a quarterback who has won an MVP and has won a Super Bowl ring. Just, I don't understand how people don't understand. You cannot be religious, you cannot be spiritual, but you better be as a sports fan superstitious because the sports god is real. And everyone in Cincinnati seemed <laughs> hell bent on angering him last week, not the least of which are jabroni mayor. So in the 11 is sports gods, sports jinxes. If you don't know them about them by now, learn them. And if I see anyone out there in the FC Cincinnati community predicting like, oh, we're going to dominate this league. We're going to win a cup. It's a foregone conclusion. Stop. I'm going to go after you. Show some humility for the love of Christ. 
I, on one level, I appreciate Bengals fans essentially as as long as I've been alive, never having the opportunity to be cocky pieces of shit and taking their opportunity. Well, they had their opportunity now, and now you learned what happens when you do that. So <laughs> we we got it out of our system. It felt good. It felt good. No, I uh, I, I will say I was the um, the whipping boy in the uh, the group chat for saying it was too early to declare uh, Burrow a uh, a Brady or. Uh, montana level generational talent it's like you gotta you, you gotta win good. a ring you gotta, gotta win a win. ring first you've gotta, gotta win. you gotta win something and out of the 18 out of the 18 is uh tql um i understand they are the branding partner for tql stadium but they just bought the naming rights to historic nippert stadium <laughs> where they are not going to be naming the stadium tql because it's already nippert stadium yeah they're not going to be naming the field tql field because it's already carson field named after arch carson look i we went through this when if you don't know this already fc cincinnati tried to buy nippert stadium it was already agreed to but (laughs) then uc got cold feet at the 11th hour because they were worried that all the alums that donated money to renovate nippert would be really mad about it it's very much time for uc just to admit that no one cares who arch carson is it's okay to let the field be renamed by somebody else. Like, no one gives a fuck. Jimmy Nippert, he's dead. He's going to be dead for a long time. Nobody cares. But out of the 18 is TQL because they somehow paid to name a stadium where they get no naming rights from the stadium. I've never seen anything like this before. Um, but, hey, UC made the Big 12, and I'm trying to convince my friends to go to BYU for that game because Utah is beautiful. <laughs> And it's fun to drink in breweries where there, it's only 5% ABV and you can't get drunk. So, I uh, I completely agree with you. I saw the news and it took me a long time to figure out exactly what TQL was doing. Like you know it, what? Just, it didn't make what sense. A, what a business deal from UC. It's like, uh, we want you to sponsor this stadium uh, so we can name the stadium. Well, you can't do that. Uh, so we can name the field. No, nah, you can't do that either. So what's the deal for? Well, you're going to give us money. Okay. <laughs> it's a great deal. It has to be uh, money laundering. It has to be money laundering. It's all I can figure out. Could could have named a stand, maybe. Right. I don't know. A urinal or something. <laughs> oh my God. Um <clears throat> in my eleven, man, I really should have prepared something. Huh? Indie eleven. No, Indie eleven is absolutely I mean, we've already talked about it, but just the way the soccer community has really rallied around AFC Wrexham. I've absolutely loved this. I mean, it's we've trodden over this path. I just fucking love that everybody has a take. It's incredible. It's you know, just good I, shit. I didn't say this earlier. My wife uh told me yesterday or this weekend that she tried to buy me a Wrexham scarf for Christmas because we both watched the show together. And I was oh. this close to being able to, you know, actually wear the Wrexham scarf around to an MLS game. <laughs> if, would you be a villain or a hero? It's a it's an open question. Yes. Did people, the answer is yes. Did people only like Ted Lasso because of the relegation storyline? Are they only staying around for season three to see if they get promoted? Well, they already got promoted. They already got promoted. So, yeah. See? Promotion and relegation. Key in the Ted Lasso narrative. Uh, No, out of my 18 is going to be... I need something. Jesus Christ. No. Out of the 18 is the forgotten documentary, Darkon. 
because I forgot about this. We talked about this. This is going to touch it. Out of 18 is everybody who forgot about Darkon. Darkon is one of my all-time favorite movies. It is the true story of a LARPing group that gets way into LARPing. They do full costumes, full outfits, and it's a very compelling story of all the people that are really into LARPing. And if you watch this movie, it's made in 2006, super compelling. If you love making fun of D&D, you are going to love this movie. Wait, wait, is this the same movie that you brought up in the group chat about the movie that P&G produced to talk about the evils of Dungeons no. and Dragons? That what was, was that? Grayson, Mazes and Monsters? Something like that, yeah. It was an anti-D&D, <laughs> I think with a Christian tilt to it. Um, no, Darkon is like literally live role-playing where they like run around and hit each other and you call out hits and you've lost health and things like that and also they like, do like full like role battles. models the movie yes yes yeah. yes okay. yes they do full battles in a local park and stuff but my point is it's super compelling it's super interesting you get invested in these people's lives where like nothing has gone right but when they put on that costume they are the hero of their story that's afc wrexham folks you can tell a compelling story about anything with high production value at the risk of stealing too much from pardon my take we really should do a DD campaign that's like soccer themed of some sort we should have someone I, you me and grayson i love this again incredible uh podcast content here i'm sending you a still from the from the movie and if that doesn't get your juices going i don't know what will so it's like scott steiner painted gray yeah <laughs> with red contacts and full head-to-toe chain mail absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> big papa chump right here good fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> all right send a link we'll watch it there you go <laughs> we, we'll find we need something to do in the middle of that league's cup drought right. game yeah so. no that's 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 good that's a good that's a good foresight right there <laughs> oh my god well i think that's gonna do it for the postcast i don't know if we could go anymore uh, but <laughs> incredible hey. stuff hey brian you're welcome you can do the laundry now yeah get back to it buddy don't <laughs> overdo it on the detergent. People overdo it. Don't yeah. overdo okay, it. Okay, then in that case, fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. 
Thank you so much for listening.